It's open, yo. Go ahead. Say something. We're back, baby. Hey, now. Oh, dear God. Fans, sharks, fans alike. We're, we're this much closer. We are 78 games closer to Bedard. Huge. It's Humango. Oh, it's Humango. Hey, welcome back once again. Show 167. Puck Knowledge is here on Teal Town USA. It's the unfiltered, unedited, uncensored, commercial-free Sharks podcast that you enjoy every Sunday at 7 o'clock Pacific. We're going to get to opening weekend at SAP Center. We got the return of Burns. We got Doug Wilson being honored versus the Chicago Blackhawks. Uh, we got the whole opening weekend experience. There's so much to get into. But first, as always, if you need the podcast, just show it up. Or if you just haven't clicked the bell yet, remember to subscribe. Follow us on social media. If you'd like to help support the content we deliver, come on, keep us commercial free. We don't want to do digital boards here. Donate using the Super Chat option during the live shows, or you can use Venmo. We prefer it. Find us at Teal Town USA. But remember, if you are not using the live option here on YouTube, by all means, leave a comment in the section below because we want to interact with you guys. Let us know. So with that, uh, I want to start off. I want to start off. Big shout out to a listener of the show, Michael. He, he didn't want his last name used, but Michael hooked us up with a pair of tickets for the Meet the Sharks event last Wednesday. So we were able to give those away on the Teal Town account. So, um, dude, awesome. Big props. And uh, uh, the guy who used it, I ran into him. He was very uh, very help, helpful and happy about that uh about that pull. So Michael, dude, solid. Shout solid. out. Yeah. Big time shout out. Jerk man, how you doing? How's your weekend uh ending up? Uh so we um you know, we had a had a good weekend. Um, you know, this is not a sponsored podcast, obviously, but <laughs> not yet. Uh not yet. <laughs> the uh the fiance and I um, you know, had a little bit of an early dinner and uh, if you're familiar with uh you know the old with BJ's dinner? the old BJ's uh <laughs> restaurant and uh they're on their appetizer menu it's 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 old new you know it's new ish uh their mac and cheese balls pretty incredible our balls they're incredible you're probably wondering what do these have to do with the sharks <laughs> absolutely nothing uh but you know what that's um that's how we are on this podcast we just talk and whatever comes out um it's obviously important that's why you're here you know hey that's now. why we've already that's why we've already got 10 likes that's why there's already 26 live viewers. I mean, you're here for a reason. Um, <laughs> yeah, so to hear about and mac and cheese balls. There, there is one piece of piece on uh, on my agenda, um, and and as you know, I'm very famously um, am slow to make certain things happen, and one of those certain things that I'm talking about happens to be four pucks that I was supposed to mail out to you, I want to say maybe six or seven months ago. <laughs> okay. And and I have them. They're in my hand. 
the box that they're going to come to your house in are oh, nearby. I'm, I'm not getting a personal delivery. That's sad. Um, one tonight or last night. Well, I mean, I don't know. Maybe that can be arranged, but it'll take longer for you to get it. All right. Um, there may or may not be a five dollar bill slid in there per hour wager <laughs> from last season. I thought we went to ten, but all right. But my reason for bringing this all up, I have something for you. I want to put you on the spot publicly. Whip it do out. You ha- do you have anything for me of the pin variety? Oh, oh, there there are pins, my friend. <laughs> pins will happen. I, I can remember maybe four, three, anywhere between three and six that were, <laughs> not that one. Easy. <laughs> I, I, I can, uh, anywhere from three to six, I don't remember exactly how much, uh, come to mind as being earmarked for me. So yeah, we'll have to have a conversation about that. Wow. Well, everybody is so bored by listening to this. All right, uh, let's go. <laughs> Sharks wrap up two games this week. Opening weekend went to shit. The Sharks are 0-4 now, four games in, 0-4, zero points. You know what, AJ? Yeah. This is right where we want to be. Oh, dude, suck hard for Bedard. <laughs> we have baby. them right where we want them. <laughs> <laughs> That's all I'm saying. And the thing that really like just put the screws to you the Barracuda have scored the same amount of goals that the Sharks have in half as many games. Oh, you got to love it. Mm-hmm. So, 2-1 loss to the Hurricanes. 5-2 loss to the Blackhawks. Burns returns. Wilson gets honored. Uh, typically, we, we don't want to dive into the minutia, but, dude, 0-5 on the power play versus the Canes. You couldn't manufacture one fucking goal in a 2-1 loss? 0-3 against the Blackhawks, too. I mean, the the thing that stands out for me here, like we, I feel like special teams has been a factor early on yet Dude, again. They're 1-18. Right. It's four fucking games, and they're already like 1-18 on the power play. Right. And how many, you know, how many times last season did we talk about, you know, how many games, I don't, I don't like to play the what-if game, but how many games could have gone differently had the power play been just average, you know what I mean? And specifically on that first unit, you know, that 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 first unit is actually quite good in terms of personnel. They move the puck around, they get chances, got to bury one. And I mean, dude, it's, Carlson, Meyer, Hurdle, Couture, LeBanc, how do you not bury one? And even when Cunnan was up there, I thought that was still a good, you know, quintet of guys. I know words. And, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, like just especially in these two games, I mean, against Carolina, you know, you're down, you're down two to one. Uh, you lose two to one. How nice would one more goal have been? You know, you're against the Blackhawks. You give up two shorties. How nice would have a, would a power play goal have been? You know what I mean? But you say Carolina is uh, down two to one. No, no, you weren't down two to one until two minutes left in the third. Exactly. Like the Sharks, especially going over five, the Sharks had many chances to <sighs> not put it away, but to definitely extend their lead. Lead. I don't know. I mean, Sharks, they, they can't take advantage of five power play opportunities. Reimer stops 33 of 35. I mean, you can you ask for more? I don't uh, know. I mean, I'll, dude, I'll 943 what, save percentage. That draft pick that we get in March for Reimer is going to be awesome. Spicy, dude. It's going to be awesome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so a sellout for the boys, of course, for opening night. God, you would you would fucking hope so. Uh, there was a whole rally, a whole to-do. We'll get into that in a little bit. The return of Burns, nice uh, reception for him. But I just... Uh, I, when they got the lead, 
in the uh, you know in in the first like right at the end of the first I'm like oh okay here we go they're they're gonna put it together and then what happens end of the second well there's there's the there's a tie goal you didn't want to see but hey all right tie game let's keep going we can do it and then like I said Aho just I don't even want to Taco Cruiser coming in hot with the <laughs> Taco Cruiser throwing you a life raft yeah. With the donation. Thank you so much, Taco. Could the Barracuda beat the Sharks right now? Abso-fucking-lutely. I'm not totally convinced of that. Oh, I am. Especially if Kakinen's in. Because holy crap, dude. Kakinen is... is how, do you remember how high I was on Kakinen? Like those last 20 games last season? Uh, yeah. Dude. I was super juiced for the big Kak. You, should, you still <laughs> should be. Yeah. If only the guys in front of him could, like, do something. I don't know. Uh, yeah, he's – I mean, he's had a hard time. I mean, <sighs> over – I mean, again, he started two games. Like, there's no way that – there's no way that things aren't going to, um, like, turn around, right? But, you know, it, for, for a guy that, you know, I was certainly penciling in as the undisputed starter, you know, you don't you don't want, you know, to average – uh, four goals allowed per game and only be saving 81% of your shots. So for somebody that, like I said, that we kind of earmarked and said, hey, you know what? Reimer's great. We love him. Big big cack, as you said, has got to be the guy. And so far he hasn't been. Um, it is, you know, we are still in, uh, we are in hashtag still early territory. Um, but <laughs> the theme of last week, making good first impressions. <laughs> there are a handful of guys who have not done that, Kakinen being one of them. Yeah. And it was funny. Alex pointing out in the chat, he's like, well, you know, the Sharks last year started the season 4-0. Now they're 0-4. Making the playoffs this season? Don't think so. Uh, but again, getting that much closer to Bedard, Ricky coming in saying, how bad does it have to get before you guys embrace the tank and start celebrating our losses? I hope you're talking to the rest of the chat because Jerk and I, I think we're like, dude, I'm shooting off confetti in my house every time the Sharks lose one more. Not only that, but I mean, what, you know, what, what did we say that made it sound like this team was good? Yeah, I don't, I, I can't remember that. <laughs> you know, like all that we said, hey, the number one goaltender should play better. Oh, I can't believe you're not embracing the tank. Well, okay, <laughs> you're just but a hater. I, yeah, but what, no, but not even that. It's like, oh, you're not embracing the tank. Why? Because I think the number one goalie should play better. Like that, is that not true? Like, <laughs> hate when that happens. <laughs> <laughs> so second game, it's 5-2 lost Chicago. Uh, you know, Doug Wilson night. We'll get into that in a little bit. But I mean, the Blackhawks came into this one. They, uh, the schedule makers, did them no favors. Back to back, start at Colorado, then at Vegas. In that Vegas game, former Shark Alex Stalock saved thirty six of thirty seven, posted a nine seventy three, which of course makes every Shark fan go, "Bring him back." They already did that. I know. They already did. <laughs> I, and, and you know what? And, I, and I've said this many times before, but I'll say it again for those who haven't heard it before. You know, I've been fired from many jobs before. <laughs> Never once have they said, hey, why don't you just come back? Never once. Really? Never once. Not one time? So, like, the you know, I, I've seen the people say, oh, my God, 
bringing back Dell was a win, and wow, Stalock looks really good. It's like, all right, sure, but <laughs> let's 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 not get too crazy here. <laughs> you are not wrong. Oh, Ricky coming back in the chat. It was more for the believers in the chat, AJ. <laughs> I've been on board for for years for this. Yeah, no, I'm right there. So, and you know what? I I, I think one thing we need to point out here just for some housekeeping as well swift shark 13 that's not a name i recognize however they have said if or when we lose to the coyote we the sharks lose to the coyotes uh they're going to donate 50 dollars to the podcast and i look forward to that when do we play arizona I think, <laughs> yeah i think that's something we yeah everybody screenshot it swift shark 13 if you have a twitter we're gonna find you um and <laughs> dude, we're just gonna say hey it. Screenshot um, it now, dude. Just, just tuck it away. You are the king of receipts, sir. So tuck yeah, that just, away. We're just going to say, hey, this is the thing that <laughs> happened. Um, you said. <laughs> so uh, the Blackhawks just, wow. <laughs> I mean, the other thing, Timo Meyer, one assist, still without a goal, despite 19 shots on net over these four games. He's a, <laughs> dude, he's a dash three on Saturday. With 17.43 of ice time. Lowest total of the season. Tomas Hurdle does not have a point since he scored the first Sharks goal of the season in Prague. And then you've got Benino, Lindblom, and Nieto on that third line. Combined, one assist. That has to be one of the worst third lines in the league. Well, it makes you wonder like, how, how far away are we from, I don't know, Eklund, Bordalo... And I don't know, Reedy. Um, like, like I said, still, still about five months away. Still the trade deadline. <laughs> but uh, you know, the biggest issue, of course, for Quinn, you know, it's the it's the power play, one for sixteen through four games. I mean, you you can't you can't do that. You cannot do that. Not if you want to look good. Yeah. So here's, you know what though, and and I. I don't know. I, I think with Hurdle and, and Meyer specifically, I mean, I I think there is something to be said. Uh, you know, they are missing. You know, if if Hurdle is the drink and Meyer is the ice, they're missing their straw. Yeah. Meaning Alexander Barabanov. And, you know, the word around the water cooler is that he's close. Many people? Many people yeah, saying? Clo- close enough to have almost played – last night if you're listening live and so i think you know is, is he gonna get on that line and they're gonna explode right away i mean it's who's to say whether or not how likely that is but i i think that is something to consider and that's not to say that cunning has been bad i actually quite like luke cunning um this season despite the fact he's only got a goal um <laughs> lazy bastard but I, I think this is a situation where and 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 you look at the the ice times and the ice times will kind of bear this out you know the hurdle and Meyer specifically, and to a lesser degree, Conan and Logan Couture, the big forwards are playing most of the minutes. And obviously that's not going to come as a shock. Everybody knows that that's to be expected, but <clears throat> excuse me, you're the sharks have played most of this season through four games behind the eight ball, either tied or trailing. So your big guys are rolling out more generally when you're losing and, you know, it's a chain of events. You're rolling them out more. They're working harder. They're getting tired quicker. Things are not going the way they need to go. And 
that's not to say that they should get a pass for the lack of offense they've provided these four games. But at the same time, I think given that for the second year in a row, the Sharks are relying on just a small handful of players to pretty much do everything. But it's the same as last season. No, that's but that's what I'm saying. Yeah. You know, the the Sharks, considering last season and this season, the Sharks are obviously very seasoned at relying on a small number of players. <laughs> but when you do that, it's going to catch up. You know. Oh. I, if, like I guarantee you, I guarantee you, if the Sharks can find a way to start playing with a lead, those guys are going to open up. They're going to settle in better. They're going to relax. They're going to do what they need to do. But the Sharks have been chasing pretty much the whole season. Absolutely. Uh, I mean. The, the biggest issue on offense for Quinn has been the performance of the power play. One, I'm sorry, one through 16 through four games. <laughs> I might have said 18. Felt like 18. Felt like 1,800, to be honest. Uh, here's Quinn following the Blackhawks game, talking a little bit about the power play. Yeah, listen, I mean, sometimes, and it happens to a lot of play, a lot of players, they get on the power play and they just abandon what hockey is all about. They play power play, and that's all that happened on those goals. We had plenty of opportunities, bad as the decision-making was in the offensive zone and, you know, giving up the, you know, odd man situations. We had a chance to just stop at the net front, defend, and, you know, live another day, and we didn't do it. We panicked, we chased the puck, we just played mindless and it ends up in the back of your net. I mean, dude, played mindless? I think that's an appropriate way to describe it. No, the funny thing, the takeaway, I mean, let's be honest. Yeah, the power play is is garbage. But the funny thing that I took away from that, the first couple of sentences that he said, said, they did bad things. They, (laughs) you know, it it wasn't the we thing. He got into the we later part of it, but it was like they that I'm like, fuck, four games in. And he's like, yeah, no, it's those fucking guys. I'm good. (laughs) <laughs> well, and I, I think that comes from accountability, right? It, it's, you know, you're not going to, I understand, you know, you want to, you know, win as a team, lose it as a team. I understand all of that and I support it, but I don't like, we, we can't get it sideways here. You know, four games in Mike Greer is not the problem. David Quinn is not the problem. The players need to come together. The players need to look and I hate that we're saying this four games in, but the players need to look <laughs> in the mirror and figure out what they need to do. I believe it was Eric Carlson who said, like, you know, we have a lot more to give and we're not giving it. I believe something to that effect, Eric Carlson yeah. said. And, you know, that's what – and now – and you're not going to see a, a complete change overnight, but I think you need to see those little changes going through, you know, maybe – Maybe don't wheel the second power play unit out there as much. Um, but, you know, just better, more sustained play at five versus five. If you are, you know, finding yourself down in the game, don't start chasing. Keep mm-hmm. playing. Do what you know. You know, I it's a cliche. Play your game. But, you know, don't don't let them, you know, don't let the other team lure you on. Don't let them trap you. Just continue to do what you do. Do what you know um <laughs> do you works well, but do what you know works well for you you know what i mean don't start chasing the game because that's what happened you know the sharks you know uh last night in a game against carolina or i'm sorry chicago you know the sharks give up two shorthanded goals and it completely let the air out of the balloon and they were chasing the whole time same thing with carolina they you know very late in the game sebastian ajo gets the game winning goal and <clears throat> what happened in those last two minutes of the third period nothing 
<laughs> you know, very early on, the Sharks have allowed themselves to get deflated. Well, we're also talking about a Sharks team, if I remember correctly, like they didn't have a shot on goal for like the, almost the first 10 minutes of the game against Chicago. Yeah, and against Carolina, the shots on goal comparison was wildly in favor of Carolina. <laughs> That's all I'm saying. It's just you sit there like at the end of the game, it was 35 for Carolina, 19 for the Sharks. Yeah. You sit there and go, what, how the hell does that happen? So the next day, it ends up being 26-25 in favor of the Sharks shots on goal. But like I said, it's you know quality, not quantity. The, <laughs> the Sharks went almost the first 10 minutes of the game without a goddamn shot on goal. And it's like, where is the urgency? Mm-hmm. It's uh, especially on the power play. Speaking of which, let's get back to uh, Quinn. He had a little bit more to say about the power play a little bit maybe immaturity maybe it's they want to you know they want to score so badly they just don't make the simple plays and you know maybe not consumed with the process and the basics of what a successful power play does and you know when training camp started and through the exhibition season we felt good about our power play and I know it's exhibition and I know but just the look and the intentions and the way we're playing and you know for the example the first period tonight I mean you know, I know we're not playing Carolina, but we're playing Chicago, we're an NHL team, and we played a good first period. We did all the things that we need, didn't do in the first period against, and the second period against Carolina. You know, the same opportunities to get pucks behind people and not turn pucks over were there tonight, and we got them behind them in the first period. And, you know, so, you know, we've just got to, you know, we've got to, We've got to get back to doing the things we were doing early on. We felt good about the direction of our power play through training camp and through the exhibition season. And, you know, once the regular season started, uh, especially in these last two games, we've really uh, cost ourselves. <laughs> you think? <laughs> Do you think? Yeah, it's um, <laughs> not the best. Um, but I, I just... I don't know. Like I said, it, it, it just it feels too early for a thing for things to have already gone sideways, you know. And I don't know. Oh, hold on, hold on. I I appreciate what you're saying. Like, oh, okay, it's too early to judge this team. And blah blah blah. And no, I that's not even what I'm saying though. What I'm saying is it's too early for them to already be in their midseason <laughs> gloomies. <laughs> no, okay. All right, because I was just because I've heard this, I've seen this in other channels. So it's like, well, it's still too early, and blah blah blah. And I'm like, it would be too early if it wasn't the same fucking problems. Yeah, you know, it's like penalty kill, dude. Live by it. the The penalty kill just rocks. There, last time I looked, I think they're tied for they're one of four, maybe five teams that have not allowed a power play goal. And out of that group, I think the Sharks have played more games than any other team. So, like, hell yeah. Hang your hat on the PK. Conversely, the power play is fucking garbage, as it was last season and the season before. So, I don't, I don't know, dude. Listening to David Quinn on, on a little bit of that postgame, dude, it very much felt just kind of like, I don't know, he's... He, <laughs> Maybe it's just me, but he definitely had kind of a vibe like I made a terrible mistake coming here. <laughs> <laughs> I you know what and I and I think something that he said that that I sort of take away from that is um 
when he's talking about how the power play unit, specifically the first unit, because I think we're all in agreement that the second unit is pretty useless, aside from Luke Cunning. Um, and <laughs> Nico Sturm is going to get in the, there. You know, the first unit, like, they're so focused on trying to score that they're not doing the simple things. And I believe, yeah. I, I want to say it was either Drew Mender or it was Brett Hedekin. It was one of those guys. But Ooh. one of them one of them said, like, even if you don't score on the power play, you want to put in the work in order to build momentum, generate chances. And that's Absolutely. what it's all about. If, if, the, if the Sharks could, in their next game on Tuesday, they could go 0 for 5 on the power play. But if it helped create momentum and generate chances that led to a win, I don't care. Oh, dude, if they... You know, that's the whole thing. I'm watching the power play, and I'm sitting there going, if you're generating chances, if you are at least controlling the play in the offensive zone, like, okay, you're maybe you're passing a little too much. That was something that I thought uh, both LeBanc and EK65 were a little guilty of, where mm-hmm, it was mm-hmm. like, I'm not going to take the shot. I think this guy over here might have a better look, which to me, I was like racking my brain going, fire the fucking puck on net. You've got a guy in f- the three feet in front of the goalie that can bury a rebound fire it mm-hmm. so to see all the extra passing was a little annoying but if you can just sustain that pressure where it felt like too much time on the power play get in there barely barely kind of <laughs> try to control the zone <laughs> it's behind you it's already going the other way yeah, that's that's the thing. Learn to chip it. I, I you know whether it's bring it in, chip it deep, and follow it, and whatever you need to do. Get some sustained pressure in the offensive zone. At least tire out their PKers. Yeah. Instead of this, you know this this. Well, we're just gonna whip it around, and oh look at that, it's already behind us, and now we're having to fucking chase the game. So anyway. One for sixteen. Let's let's keep tabs on that. That might be something that we need to have another one of those uh, cool five dollar bets on. <laughs> <laughs> See, my only my only concern with doing that is I'm worried that you and I are going to agree, and then that would make it no fun. <laughs> oh, that would be no fun. <laughs> so look, uh, two games. They're zero for four. It's 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 uh, it it sucks is what it does. yeah but you know what i i don't i don't feel disappointed you know what i mean see and this is why i do feel disappointed because in three out of those four games the sharks had the lead at one point sure sure i i I think learn to hold a lead guys i mean i think maybe if anything and this kind of goes back to something you said last week where you know um, you know you were saying that you you pretty much are reserved to the fact that the Sharks are going to lose more than they win, but you want to watch exciting hockey. Entertaining. Entertaining hockey yeah. of that variety. And these four games have not really been exciting. If I'm being honest, just between you, me, uh, and and our imaginary <laughs> intern. Steven! I went, on, I went on a bike ride during the third period of the Carolina game. <laughs> and I actually thought the Carolina game was probably the most entertaining out of the four. It started that way. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was some good back and forth. All right. Uh, so takeaways. Uh, how is Harrington still around? I thought he got waved. And then his yeah, that's, that's a curious case to me. I mean, the Dude, Sharks, I don't even get that. 
I mean, okay, so the Sharks are carrying... If you include Nikolai Kanijov and Nudavara, who are an injured reserve, the Sharks are carrying nine defensemen. Oh, shit. And, and so, based on the fact... I'm thinking my theory, and I fully acknowledge that I that there's a, a likely chance that I'm incorrect here. My theory is that Nudavara looked close and then Something so they said, okay, right. we can send Harrington to the Barracuda. We got Nudavara. And then he and then, like ordered Chipotle and everything went south. Yeah. Early. Not to say that there was a setback or anything, but maybe he wasn't as close as they thought they were. And so they had to, you know, call an audible and keep Harrington on the roster. And you know what? Like the thing with Harrington, he's not a bad NHL defenseman per se he just shouldn't he just shouldn't be a regular he is your seventh defenseman hey this guy's injured I'm gonna jump in who's who's worse right now Harrington or Benning oh dude still Benning like dude I don't four fucking years of this well and you know what Benning not that it matters but Benning uh has the worst plus minus on the team yeah he's what a shock He's got the most penalty minutes among players who have not gotten in a fight. And among <laughs> all the players that were signed in the offseason has the longest contract. Also true. Fuck. Um, he's got Explain to me. Like I don't I, know I, what I, the I fuck was Mike you. Greer thinking? Like you know, Sturm a year, whatever. And no, Sturm, uh, Sturm was dude, Sturm was three years, which I'll tell you what. I don't right have a problem now, with that right now, to be no, honest. I was gonna with say you. right now that looks beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> dude, yeah, I'm like, fine, I'm dude, keep like it up. I wanna, yeah, I was gonna say I'm kind of feeling like Benino needs one of those plane tickets out somewhere else, and we just get Sturm more ice time. <laughs> dude, you're not wrong. But I mean, Cunning, two years, fine. Like uh, okay. Lindblom, two years. Yeah, that's fine. Nico, these, these okay, Nico fine. got a three. Lorenz, two years. How the fuck fine. does Benning get four? Yeah, I don't know. And what did we we dude? How many times did we say it last year and over the off season, dude? I said it a week ago. Stop giving replacement level players multi year contracts. Yeah, I don't. I don't get it. The only thing, like, if I look at uh, Sturm or L- Lawrence or whoever, those aside from Benning, those those deals that were brought in, this seems very much. Tell me if I'm wrong. If if you disagree, abs- when have you ever like? You know, I disagree with AJ, but I'm not going to say anything. Like, I don't think that's ever happened. But <laughs> if, tell me if you disagree, but my whole thing is very much kind of when Mike Greer came in, and I feel kind of bad about David Quinn about this because it really feels that Greer, some of these deals that he signed, it's very much like, okay, we want to change the culture of this team. We want to be, like, we want to go back to the days of like, I don't know, 98, 99, where you've got the hard, the hard nosed coach and you've got some hard nosed players, whether it's a Owen Nolan or a Mike Ricci or a Vinny Damfus or whoever, we want to have just these guys that are just really fucking tough to play against. And so far it's not been the case. Now, the funny thing is, is that you look at like 97 versus today where it's like, you know, 25 years later, it's kind of funny that back in 97, the sharks were essentially a one line team. It was Vinny Damfus. It was Owen Nolan. It was Jeff Friesen. 
And who do you have today? Well, it's Tomas Hurdle. It's Logan Couture. It's Timo Meyer. Like, kind of a little bit the same. I think there, there's definitely comparison. Wait for Shang Peng. We'll have an article on this probably in a week or two. <laughs> but there's definitely some sort of comparison that can be made. But they are still lacking that hard nose, that hard to hard to place team mm-hmm. in the corners. That they, they just they haven't been that. But I understand looking at cap friendly, you look at those deals, it just very much seems to me if I'm reading the tea leaves to borrow yep. a hockey jerk phrase. Mm-hmm. Mike Greer wants to get just through the next three seasons. Let's let's get LeBanc the fuck out of here. Let's write out Shimmick's contract. Let's get a couple years off of Couture's deal. Let's get a couple years off of uh, Carlson's deal. Maybe we get a year or two off of Vlasic's and we can finally dump that. We're going to get out of uh, underneath the, the cap dump of uh, Martin Jones and Brent Burns. So this year, next year, the year after that. It's this is this is a transitional time, people. Yeah, that's not the worst idea I've ever heard, and and, 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 and that's the whole thing. I I'm not opposed to this if we you know project to like twenty eight twenty nine, and all of a sudden the cycle starts back up again for the Sharks, and it's like, oh shit, look at this. You know we we've got Eklund, we've got Bordalo, we've got Co, we got Gushkin, Strauss, man is killing it in that. Like we have Ryan Merkley found his game, and oh shit, who's this guy over there? What's his name? Bedard? Hell yeah. <laughs> You know, like, I feel like this is, it's transition right now. And we just have to deal with it. Right. And and, and that's kind of what, in his introductory press conference, that's kind of what Mike Greer said as well, was, you know, he didn't want to say, he didn't want to say rebuild. He didn't want to say, like, he didn't want to say that the Sharks were rebuilding, but he also didn't, he didn't want to say, you know, that the Sharks we're going to try and make the playoffs either. He very much presented uh, kind of the idea of basically whatever happens, happens. Mm-hmm. Now, let me ask you this. If the, to, to, to borrow a hockey jerk phrase, what's the end game here, chief? So uh, it's my, yeah. and, and so my question to you being, if to make all of this work that you're, you know, you are stuck with Carlson you are stuck with hurdle. You are and and hurdle. If if memory serves, the hurdle contract that's on Greer. What do you mean? Isn't that wasn't that a contract signed under Greer or was no, that under no, Joe, Joe Will? Joe Will. Signed Joe it. Will. Okay, so before Greer, so he doesn't have. Okay, then fine. There you go. So Greer has a uh, clean slate when it comes to the deals. So it just comes down to if you're going to make this play. Right now, they're 0 for 4. The team looks really bad, but hopefully you're going to have a couple pieces like a James Reimer that can put together solid numbers on a shitty team. Nick Benino. Nick Benino would be nice. Timo Meyer. Timo Meyer. I'm not convinced. I mean, I, I acknowledge that it's possible, but I'm not convinced. About what? Timo Meyer getting traded. I'm not saying he's going to get traded, but, you know, if, if the right team comes along with the right oh, sure. offer, 
That's what, like, what, what is it going to, okay, so you are Mike Greer for all shits and giggles. Sure. Who, what, what's the offer that needs to come down to make you let Timo go? You mean like, what are you, are you basically asking me how much is too high to pay him? Too high and too low. Too high and too low. You know okay. what I mean? Like it, it's that whole thing of like you know when all the uh, the the theys, all the prognosticators, the you know the Ray Ferraros and the the, the you know Elliot guys and you know Wyszynski and all of those guys that they can sit there and look at a deal from Meyer and go, you know what works out well for both teams instead of you know fucking San Jose got fleeced. Probably, I would say probably. Somewhere between, I would say between eight and nine million on this on the AAV. Okay, yeah, but what I'm saying is, it it's we're coming down to the deadline. Oh, we're, we're, we're oh, a week away from the deadline. Yeah, we're a week away from the deadline. Who, 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 who is it going to make the most sense for, to to you know say yes, Timo's the missing piece that we need to get the big shiny thing, but. We also have all of the, the the fun things that the Sharks want in order to give us Timo. Well, I think it's going to be, um, you know, it, it's going to be a team that maybe they look like they're on the right path, but they, they need a, a kind of, you know, one more sort of shot in the arm, if you will. So you're, right. you're thinking this is not a team that, not like a Carolina or Colorado or a Rangers team that is like on the precipice of a cup that's like a cup favorite. You're talking yeah. like a team that's like maybe just a scotch be below them that is still kind of going. Yeah, because for, okay, because here's here's the thing with Timo Dude, Meyer. He, so what you're saying to me is that the LA Kings are going to get Timo Meyer. <laughs> well, you know the thing with with Timo Meyer is okay. He's a 26 year old. He's he's going to be a 26 year old restricted free agent. That's not a rental. Like that's not a short term option. Dude, no, like, that that is somebody. It's very to me. It's tell me I'm wrong. It's very much a ek65 kind of a deal where he no. is going to want to get that nice eight year fat contract. I will. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Eight year deal. Yes. But it's not because with Eric Carlson, it was it was completely wide open who he was potentially going to sign with back at that time. Where with Timo Meyer, like the team. Well, Timo Meyer doesn't have any uh, stipulations on the contract right now. Does he? I don't know what you mean by that. Like no trade. No, no. Cause RFA, right? Yeah. He, he doesn't have, yeah, he doesn't have any trade protection in his contract. But what I'm saying is if a team is going to trade for Timo Meyer, they're not trading for him as for, a rental. The rest of the season, they're trading for him for eight years plus the current year, nine total. Yeah, you know. So and, that's and what that's, I'm saying. It's it's a team that is that you know they're not they might not be knocking on Stanley's door right now, but they're in the room. Right. Yeah. A team, a team that is good, but as I said, maybe they need one more shot in the arm. You know, you're. I hate to say it, but you're Nashville Predators. Your, mm-hmm. you know, your Columbus, Buffalo, your Buffalo Sabres, your Columbus Blue Jackets, your, your New York Rangers. Although I, I personally believe the New York Rangers have their horse eye on Patrick Kane, but that's another conversation. Well, because uh, for me, it's because they are knocking on the door this year. 
Right. And and so I think with Timo Meyer, it's not, you know, it's not going to be a one and done kind of situation. Like it would not surprise me. And I think, you know, I'm not ready to do this yet, but maybe down the road we can put a fiver on this one. If <laughs> if Timo Meyer if Timo Meyer is traded at the trade deadline, and I personally I don't think he will be, but let's just say he is, he's signing an eight year extension with the new team as soon as he gets there. Oh, absolutely. I mean, and Claude Lemieux would be horrible at his job if that was not the case, right? Man. And again, and it, and it boils down, and it boils down to what Mike Greer thinks is the direction of the team. If he thinks that this is a one to three year turnaround, and then we're back at it, it makes sense to keep Timo Meyer. But if you think that this is going to be a five year project, you dump him. See, and that's that's where I'm at. Like. Wouldn't you want to, if you're Mike Greer, wouldn't you want to move Timo when he is an asset that can deliver you a good return based on his performance? Well, now, based on the first four games right now, not so great, but obviously we all know what he did last year, 35 goals. But again, let's also take into account, it's like, 35 goals and blah, blah, blah. Well, let's be honest. Five of those came against one, you know, the LA Kings in one game. So let's not get crazy. But dude tore it up last season. Let's see if he can tear it up. And let's see if he can tear it up on a abysmal Sharks team, which just makes his value increase. So I sit there and I go, you know, Greer, that that's a move. If, if someone's going to come along and give you that return, Similar to what the Senators, you know, gave the Sharks for, uh, or what the Sharks gave up for Eric Carlson. You know, if you're building for the future, because right now I would say Ottawa's future right now, a little bit brighter than the Sharks. The thing with Ottawa, though, Ottawa doesn't have room for Timo Meyer. That's the thing. No, 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 no. I'm not, I'm not saying Ottawa would take him. I'm just saying that Ottawa got back, what was it, Norris, a pick, Balsers, uh, yeah, two picks. Norris, Balsers, Tierney, Jamelo. Yeah, just like got back a fucking king's ransom, and so you, far has made the like. T- I'm sorry, jerk. As much as I love you, if you tell me right now that you think uh, the Sharks won that trade, I, I we're, we're gonna have we're we're gonna throw hands. Well, it it, it depends. <laughs> Well, it depends on where it depends on where your frame of reference is and your your mindset. If you're talking about like right now today, it doesn't look so good. But yeah. if you're talking about at the time, home run. Okay, Sharks. but see, but and that's what I, I'm saying is that if the Sharks can trade Meyer for a ransom similar to what the Sharks gave up for Carlson to whatever is, team, they they can't. Okay, so again, I go back to show me the team that has something to give back that wants Meyer. Well, people have been... Oh, many people are saying. Pe- people have been kind of horse-eyeing the New Jersey Devils for a long time just because mm-hmm. Nico, you know, Nico Heischer, it, it, it's kind of, it's it's one of those things, <clears throat> excuse me, it's one of those things that, you know, because of, because of varying circumstances, it's kind of like the, the Twitter dream scenario, right? Where... People are looking at the New Jersey Devils and say, hey, send Timo Meyer to the Devils. He can be with his buddy Nico Heischer, and we will take back Alexander Holtz, who can be with his buddy William Eklund. All like, right. That's, that's a plan that people 
really that plan has been. And does Jersey have have their picks? Uh, yeah, Jersey's got. I mean, they have all their picks this year except their third. All right, so they 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 have things to work with, and and how how is Jersey cap wise? Because we know about the whole ten million qualifying offer, which is I know um, I know. So <laughs> New Jersey is actually in. They're actually in LT in uh, long term injury right now, so they can really only accommodate. Um, they can really only accommodate accommodate like a qu- a million and a quarter uh, of a salary, Yeesh. but they've also but they've also got you know quite a bit of money that's going to be falling off the books going into next year. All right. So now, well, I, I I don't want to go think... to, like I feel like we've been talking about this for an hour. So <laughs> so is Meyer a shark after the deadline this season? Yes. Okay, I, 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 How confident? What's your confidence level on that? Ninety-nine percent. Really? Okay. Yep. I, 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 I. For me, I'm going to say fifty-fifty. Because here's again, here's the thing: the sharks look. Not even the sharks. Mike Greer looks at where things are, right? And if Mike Greer says, "Okay, we will be ready to go again, competing for a playoff spot," when Timo Meyer is twenty-eight or twenty-nine. So well, I mean, but draw out the years for that. Is that two years from now? Is that correct? Two, but between, like I said, between one and three years. You know, if 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 the Sharks are a playoff team, or I should say, if Mike Greer believes the Sharks can be a playoff team before Timo Meyer turns thirty, then you keep him, and you just you keep plugging away. But before Timo Meyer turns thirty, Mark Edward Vlasic right now still on this team. Eric Carlson still on this team. Logan Couture still on this team. All of them pushing the, you know, the, the, the definitely all of them playing on the back nine right now, if you get what I'm saying. No, absolutely. And I, and the thing is, you know, again, it all depends on what Mike Greer wants, wants to do. You know, he, he talked to this past summer, he talked to everybody, you know, he talked to all the veterans and he said, Hey, you can, if you want to stay, we'd love to have you. If you want to go, we'd love to accommodate. <laughs> and Burns said, get me the fuck out of here. <laughs> Who, who's to, but you know what, though? As the year goes on, who's to say that mindset will remain the same? It may say, Couture, we love you. You've done a lot of great stuff for a long time here, but you have a modified no-trade clause. Can you please tell us the three teams you want to go to? And remember, Vlasic's deal after this season, the, la- the final three years, all of a sudden it goes from full no-move to three-team trade. Correct. And yeah, so that's the thing. Next summer, same thing. Vlasic, we love you. You've done a lot of great things here. Can you please tell us the three teams you're willing to go to? I'm going to bet that one of them is Montreal. And and, <laughs> and 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 here's the thing. Like I know people are saying, "Oh, the Sharks need to just keep plugging away." And they people say, "Sharks need to plug away and they'll get back and they can get back to things in a couple years." And then you have other people who are saying, "No, full-on teardown, start over, 10-year plan." <sighs> Is there any okay? That's a bit extreme, but is there <laughs> any reason? Is there any reason it can't be both? <clears throat> you know, we've seen all the time teams have gone through rebuilds. We'll say where, yeah, they trade. Say, hey, you don't want to be here. We're going to trade you away. We're going to get some pieces back. But the guys that maybe it made sense for them to get traded away. No, they said, hey, you know what? I'm willing to see the process through. I want to come out on the other side. I'll stick around. 
Boston comes to like people look at Boston as kind of this like elite <laughs> team in the league. They forget there was not too long ago within the last 10 years, there was a three year run where they missed the playoffs every year. They kept Bergeron. They kept Krejci. They but, kept David but, Pasternak. But following winning the cup in 2011, but go ahead. No, but no, 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 no. I'm talking recently, like 2015, 2016, 2017, they missed the playoffs. No, and, I get that, but but what, but what? Right, I understand they won a cup, but my point is, you can do both. You can trade away players for assets and sort of build for the future, while also identifying guys who, maybe an outside perspective would say, yeah, we need to trade these guys, but no, we look at them and say, you know what, you can still help the team when things eventually turn around. Boston has done it. Calgary Flames have done it. The Dallas Stars have done it. What, what would you say about the L.A. Kings? I mean, L.A. Kings have done. You know how many opportunities L.A. had to trade Anze Kopitar, and they didn't. Oh, dude! And but it's, they it's look like, smart for not doing it. Yeah, like winning the cup in twelve and fourteen, and then yeah, they they paid the piper just like every cup winner does, with the exception of Pittsburgh, evidently. But <laughs> every other you know team that has won a cup in the last fifteen years, you end up paying the piper. It, it feels like Tampa is starting to kind of look at that. No, they're still right there. Eh, we'll see. We'll see. But L.A., I think, you know, everybody can agree on the come up. Absolutely. And, and, and perhaps faster than some of the people in the front office may have anticipated. Totally. And, well, and that's what everybody said was last year was found money. Yeah. And that's what I'm saying. Like. Over, you know, the sh the Kings they missed in 2015, and then they made it in 2016, and then miss in 17, made the playoffs in 18. So you're up and down a couple years, and then 19, 20, 21. Yeah, paying the piper. The, missed the playoffs all three years. They finally get back in 2022. In that seven year span, how many people were saying, "Oh, you got to trade Kopitar for futures. Oh, you got to trade Dowdy for futures. <laughs> Can't be. You got to trade Dustin Brown for futures, and you know what? And 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 at, like exactly like I'm talking about. And I'm glad you said L.A. Kings because they're a perfect example of this. The L.A. Kings, they identified. Okay, you're a good player. Do you want to be here? Jake Muzzin said no. Alec Martinez said no. Huh. Jeff Carter said no. And they got traded away for various futures. Sean Dursey looks great. Draft oh, picks dude. look great. Loves me some Dursey. But you know what? Anze Kopitar said, you know what? I want to stay here. I want to say it through. Drew Doughty said the same thing. Jonathan Quick said the same thing. And look where they are now. Oh, and dude, not... and they got some nice pieces. Dude, Turcotte, uh, uh, what's the other one? Byfield? Byfield. Dude. And and you know what? And that's not to say, not to say that the Sharks are going to follow the same path. Because no path is... The, <laughs> well, the, you know. the thing is, the, the LA Kings so far, like early on in the season... The thing that L.A. has that the Sharks don't have, at least it feels like me right now, is a Stanley Cup winning goaltender who feels like he's got two chips on his shoulder. Like, he's out to prove something. Dude, I don't know if you're watching, dude. Jonathan Quick is playing like he wants a fucking three-year contract after this shit is over. Right. And, and, you know, what I'm saying is that there's no guarantee the Sharks follow that same path whatsoever. There's no guarantee any other team follows that same path. But what I'm saying is you can do both. You can say, hey, Brent Burns, hey, Logan Couture, we suck. We want to trade you away. We want to accommodate you. While also having Tomas Hurdle, Timo Meyer, having these guys say, yeah, you know what? We do suck right now, but I want to see it through. I want to come out on the other side. Hurdle even said, he said over the summer, he said if – if it takes two or three years to get back to where we need to be, I support it. 
Yeah, I appreciate about I appreciate that about Hurdle, but I don't know. We we all remember like Carlson. What was it like two years ago, a year ago? Where he's like, I didn't come here for a rebuild. See, and you know what? He got like people carved him for that comment. But again, as I said at the top of the show, what part of that was so bad? No, no, you know I, mean, I mean, dude, you know I appreciate I mean? the honesty. Like, oh, you know, AJ, I didn't, you know, like, if I said to you, like, we're doing the podcast and we start going back, AJ, you know, AJ, I didn't come here to get annoyed tonight. It's like, yeah, no <laughs> well, shit. shit happens, man. No, but it's like, no, it's like, no shit. You know, <laughs> if Eric Carlson comes out and says, hey, you know, I didn't sign here to be bad. Obviously. <laughs> Who's the player what? that signs a deal to go? Yeah, I came here to like be the on the worst team ever. That's what I'm saying. Like that's why that's why I don't understand why he got carved for that comment because it's like he's only like, and we need to move on. But <laughs> Eric, the problem with Eric Carlson is that people don't like Eric Carlson because he speaks out loud what every other player is thinking in their head. Well, that's not why I don't like him. But yeah, I, I understand your point. You, you, you have legitimate you've legitimate on ice related reasons why you don't like him. Thank you. A couple off ice, but yeah. Well, yeah. Uh, yeah. All right. Uh, let, let's get to the takeaways here. Yeah. Let's let's <laughs> take away this segment and move on. Yeah. Uh, Harrington was uh, waved on Wednesday. Eklund was called up on Thursday. Everybody went, wait, what the fuck is going on? It ended up being a paper transaction. It's all good. But everybody lost their shit because, uh, you know, Myron Ferraro had upper body injuries. Nobody knew what the hell was going to go on. But it was all a cap thing. It's all behind us. Barabanov, Nudavara, uh, still, uh, that's one thing you got to, like, uh, like, Quinn, I get, like, what you're trying to do, but if you're, like, hanging your fucking hat on while they're losing, it's like, well, if we had Barabanov and Nudavara, no, that's, that, no. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and uh, again, by all, by all indications, Barabanov is close, and I think him coming into the lineup, assuming that somebody who deserves to be taken out gets taken out, I think Barbanov coming in makes the forwards better. So is that going to lead to wins? Maybe not directly, but I think it'll help. I would like to see how the uh, power play one unit will change because we saw that, you know, it was like it was Carlson, Meyer, Hurdle, Couture, and then Cunning. Cunning. And yep. then the same same group, but then they flip-flopped and put Cunning on the second unit, put LeBanc at the top unit. So – Oh, okay. That didn't work either. Maybe Barabanov gets a look when he's back. See, and 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 I'm with you. Like, I think I think yeah, Barabanov takes that spot. And I, like, with the power play, yeah, they play obviously different positions. But on the power play, it seems to me like Carlson and LeBanc play the same sort of yeah position on the power play. You know, that kind of right right point along shuffles along the wall kind of thing. Mm -hmm. So to and me, then, but occasionally, you know, might pinch when they shouldn't. But yeah. Sure, but my, my point is is maybe it makes sense to have those guys separate. You know, you do Barabanov in that spot, so it's Carlson, Meyer, Hurdle, Couture, Barabanov, and then on that second unit, you can, you know, you keep Cun in there, you also get LeBanc there, and, you know, maybe you can take why he's on the power of the know, but you get Matt Benning out there, out of there, and, yeah. you know, Ferraro's your defenseman, sure. and, you can, and you can get a look, you know, a Benino... LeBanc, Cunning, Lindblom, Ferraro sort of look, and I and not to say that that is gonna work, but I think that's a lot better. Oh hell yeah, dude! At this point, I'm like fucking put Sturm in there. See, I would agree with you. <laughs> I I would agree with you if Sturm wasn't like the penalty kill guru. Oh, that's a solid point. 
<laughs> Solid point. So, uh, that, I mean, uh, Sharks have blown, like we mentioned it earlier, <laughs> blown a lead in three straight. Jesus Christ. How many times that happened last season? Which makes me go, was Bugner really the problem? Because Yes. <laughs> okay. All right. Fine. Uh, but <laughs> very much the same through four games, you know, giving up bad goals, poor defensive play. They can't score on the power play, but they can't be scored on in the PK. That's fine. But, dude, second period. This is something that we talked about last season that, holy shit, I did not think four games in was going to be, like, this bad. They are literally minus eight goal differential in the second period. How the fuck does that happen? Let me give you this. Goals for first period. Goals for goals against Sharks. Goals for five goals against one in the second period. Goals for one goals against nine goals for in the third zero goal goals against four. Now also take into account that third period one empty net in there, and then the goals against in the second, where it was nine to one, there's two fucking shorthanded goals in there within a two minute span. Why can't this team lock it down in the second goddamn period? Is the long change that big of a deal? No, well, so here's a couple of things. So, first of all, I thought it was funny how during the first intermission, when uh, when Drew Mende interviewed Nico Sturm, who the thing, the thing that Sturm <laughs> said was. We need to make sure we stay focused in the second period. <laughs> you think? Uh, and and how did that happen? You let in two shorties. But and and you know, I was thinking about it last night as I as I was watching the game, and I'm curious to know. This is sort of my sort of take on the situation, and I'm curious to see if you agree with me. I kind of feel like you know, even when the Sharks have been bad over the last three years. You know, we've seen them have some jump in the first period. You know, they've gotten out to, despite losing a lot of games, they've gotten out to quite a few leads in the first period. And I'm wondering if with the first period, it's a situation of like, okay, you know, we're not great, but we need to play hard. We want to do our best. We got to, you know, have good things to take away from. So they have a lot of jump in the first period. And then you get to the third period and the third period is like, oh, my God. We're trailing. We can't lose again. We need to have jump in our game. And so that's why you see maybe the Sharks don't always tie up the game or win it dramatically, but they put on a lot of pressure in the third period. They seem to play more crisper in the third period because of that urgency that, oh my God, we're going to lose again. Whereas the second period, the adrenaline from a new game has worn off and the adrenaline from being down late in the game has not kicked in yet. So they're kind of in like a purgatory zone where it's just like, yeah, we're here. It's 1-1 and we suck. So that's kind of a win. <laughs> you know? <laughs> I got to tell you, dude, I've, I mean, yeah, it's only four games under Quinn's small sample size. I got to tell you, I felt like this team last season in the third when they're only down by one or whatever, they had more fight. They had more will to come back. So far, I have not seen that in the third period under Quinn. I under Bugner, I felt like there was more fight. Yeah, and and you know, am I maybe, wrong? No, you're not wrong. And 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 who's to say what the reason is for that? Maybe it's a situation where it's like you know, if they played hard, they didn't have to hear from Bob Bugner, and so that's why they would do it. <laughs> that's what I'm you know? saying. I don't care, and and but... obviously, you know, I I think. Obviously, as a player, you want to have a good relationship with your coach. You want to like your coach. You want to, 
you know, you want to learn from them. You want to have a positive relationship. But I wonder if on some level, like wanting to prove your coach wrong or not wanting to hear it from your coach is actually a positive motivator. Sure. Sure. Like oh, maybe hold on. I, I, I'm sorry. I want to get into this because we're going to do this all fucking season. Like we've did like the last couple season metal Mario coming in saying people love to blame Carlson for this team being bad. It's kind of insane. Two things can be true. It's not all his fault, but he contributes. I was going to say, he's a big fucking contributor when you look at it. Here's the thing. What's the ROI? Return on investment. Are the Sharks getting quality return on investment on Mark Edward Vlasic right now? Or the last couple seasons? No. Not even fucking close. And you could could say the same thing perhaps about Shimmick. You know, LeBanc, pretty fucking tall order when it comes to the ROI. (laughs) But Eric Carlson is the highest paid defenseman in the league. You would think if you're getting more money than any other defenseman that over the course of that deal, you would be fighting for a Norris vote. And so far, Eric Carlson with the Sharks, not even close to paraphrase Eric Carlson. Not even close. Well, and and, and that's the thing. And I, you know, so been... I'm not. I'm sorry. I don't mean to cut no, you off, okay. but I Go but I hear that. I I see that comment, and I get it. Like you know, the whole thing. You know, people love to blame Carlson for the team being bad or whatever. I'm not blaming Carlson for the team being bad. I can blame him for like the defense being bad. Well, you know? I think you're, <laughs> I, I think a better way to say it is you're you specifically you're not only blaming Carlson. Yeah, I'm just saying he's a you when you're eating up 13 percent of the cap for a team and 50 percent of the per game ice time. Yeah, right. It's you know it's just kind of like the return on investment has been dog shit. And 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 Metal Mario, uh, I'm sorry, Metal Mario. Total. I've I've never seen this name in the chat before, so I totally welcome you, and 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 I'm happy you're here. But like I'm, you know, every time I, anytime I say, look, you know what, Eric Carlson wore some fucking stupid shoes today. Like I, I'm not an Eric Carlson hater. I hate that term. Where it's like, oh, if you say anything negative about, so oh, you're just a hater. No, I'm just I'm not a hater. I want somebody to live up to their contract. And so far, the entire time that Eric Carlson has been a shark, he has not lived up to his contract aside from maybe a, an amount of games that I could count on two hands. Well, and, and that's the thing. I obviously, you know, over the last four years, I've obviously not subscribed to the Eric Carlson tough love train as you have (laughs) um but you know but at the same time i think you make a valid point when you say he's the highest paid player on the team he's the highest paid defenseman in the nhl he takes up 50 percent of the per game ice time that is not to say that eric carlson is the root of all the sharks problems that's not even to say that eric carlson is the root of half the sharks problems but when you are the best when you are the highest paid, when you're out there the most, you need to be the difference maker. Absolutely. See, that dude couldn't have put it better 
any way I and that goes to phrase and, that. and that goes for anyone and I know and we're gonna get into it obviously we're gonna get we're gonna get into it when we talk about our you know player of the week but Timo Meyer he wants that big eight year contract nine million dollars a season mm-hmm. play like you want it yeah so that's same same thing for anybody who's making a bunch of money Tomas Hurdle one goal we love you we need more than you Dude. more from you sorry <laughs> Logan Couture. <laughs> One goal. We we love you on the ice. <laughs> we need more from you. Well, dude, the, I I was at the game last night against the Blackhawks. Sharks Blackhawks. Sharks lost five two. I mean, I haven't looked it up, but pretty sure Eric Carlson on the ice for every single goal against. Now that's not saying they were all his fault. No, I would say maybe two of those were his fault. I'd say three, but yeah, okay. Yeah, okay. <laughs> I, 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 oh, I could give you. I could give you three. Three yeah. is fair. But the, again, I just go back to the thing. It, it's like, it doesn't make me a hater. Like, oh, you just hate Eric Carlson. It's like, no, I would hate any player that makes that much goddamn money and his return on investment is shit. And here's what proves my point. How many Edmonton Oilers fans do you hear dumping on Connor McDavid? How many Toronto fans do you hear dumping on Austin Matthews? No, they none. don't. Because they are playing up to their contracts. Well, and that and that's the thing is, you know, I don't hear a lot of people dump, dumping on Drew Doughty. No, and and, that's and he the makes thing. five it's, what five hundred k less. Yeah, but 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 that's the thing, you know, Connor McDavid. Everybody in Edmonton, they cream their jeans over Connor McDavid. <laughs> oh, same dude, thing. when he takes his shit, they're like, what kind of toilet paper did he use? I want to use that same, too. Same thing with Austin Matthews in Toronto. They love, the, the hometown fans love those players. Love them, say the best player in franchise history, best player in league history. Deservedly so. But if Austin Matthews went 20 games without a goal, dead in the water. Yeah. Dude, I will because, I will tell you, dude, because, when they did at opening night, Saturday night, or I'm sorry, Friday night against uh Carolina. Dude, when they're doing the the whole big opening weekend, you know, the whole f- opening night and they introduce every person, every player. Dude, I got to tell you, section I was in when Carlson came out was announced. Decent amount of booze around me. And 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 that's the thing, like the, you know, as I said, the contract, the prior history, the time on ice, they're all expectations. You know, you can only, you know, you, you're, every player has a different set of expectations, right? And, and I love that you brought up that word expectations. Yeah. Well, expectation because, and again, here's the thing. And, and again, we'll get into it, but let's talk up, talk about Nico Sturm for a second. If Nico Sturm, if, if after it's all said and done, if Nico Sturm ends the ends the season with seven goals, I'm happy because he's a fourth line center making two million bucks. The expectation is that. Yeah. Anything now, more? Anything more is house money. <coughs> I, you know, people love to look at Jonah Gadjevitz and say, nope. "Oh my God, why did we take this guy off of waivers? He doesn't do anything." But again, he his expectations are not high it's much easy and i fully acknowledge this it is much easier for those players to meet their expectations i understand with the contract with the prior history i understand that carlson has a much harder time or a a much harder job meeting his expectations than everyone else on the roster does i understand that but at the same time 
while his job is more difficult, he is counted on more. He is expected to yep. do more. It's expected. Yes, you've got a harder job, but you're a better player. Yes, absolutely. Let me let me hit a couple of comments in the chat before we move on here. Uh, Alex Beltran, long time, lo long time listener, first time caller, whatever. Long time caller. <laughs> uh, EK65 contributed to both goals for. He plays the most minutes. He's going to be around the scoreboard more often. Good and bad. Yeah, hundred percent. I was going to say, dude, you have made that point a bajillion times. Right, but if you're... again, it comes down to the fact of you're the highest paid defenseman. Like if you if you are not potting points in the offensive zone, you better learn how to fucking defend, my brother. And and that's the thing. If we're just if we're just talking stats, right? The defenseman that plays the most on your team is going to be your best and worst defenseman, because <sighs> you know because because here's the thing. Specifically with Eric Carlson, and I hate that we've gone this long, but I need to make the point. <laughs> Eric Carlson is on the blue line, relied on for the offense. You expect Eric Carlson to factor into the offense more often than not. Yeah, but beca like because he's a fucking pylon defensively. But right, but right, time. but right now, you know, Eric Carlson's averaged twenty four and a half minutes uh, on ice per game. When when you're out there that long you are more susceptible to make mistakes. It's a given. It's the same thing with sure. Brent Burns, the same thing with Dan Boyle, the yep. same thing with Sanders Ozelinch. Oh. Like the little offensive <laughs> defenseman callback there. It's the same thing. You're more susceptible to mistakes the longer you're out there. But at the same time, the longer you're out there, the more open you are for positive, um, results. Yeah. positive results. And I do agree with Alex. Carlson is always going to be at the front and center of the good and front and center of the bad. I 100% agree with that. It's never going to go away. But the good needs to outweigh the bad. Well, yes, that is absolutely job for one. every For every one bad thing, there needs to be three good things. Yes. Right now, it's the opposite. Especially when you're the highest paid guy. Uh, Shoe Shine saying, you must not pay much attention to Toronto media. There's a lot of shit talking of Matthews. It's similar to when Marlowe couldn't get us over the hump in his prime. You know, so I listen to Overdrive every day, which is very Toronto-centric. Well, dude, Dangles podcast. Yeah. I mean, and, you, and, you, you can't get more Toronto than that. <laughs> well, and, and, and you know what? Everything I've heard from that corner of the universe is that, like, according to them, Austin Matthews is a step behind Connor McDavid, which feels like a stretch to me. Mm -hmm. Um so I don't know that I've heard Matthews being carved, but maybe he has been. I don't know. But from what I've heard, it sounds like I mean, you know, like I again I've heard him referred to as being a step behind McDavid, and I don't know that I buy that. All right. Uh we we have to get this comment in. Oh my Lanta. Christine, my girl, C Pearl on the Twitter machine. Honey. So awesome to see you here. Love you. She's a huge Oakland A's fan. Love that about her. She says, assuming he never lives up to his contract and we're stuck with him, what should management do about EK? No, we're ride stuck with him. Yeah, yeah. No, you have to ride that out. There is no – I was talking to somebody earlier today, My some of my buddies at the football party that also are into hockey, and they asked me the same thing. They're like, what do you do with EK? And I'm like, you have to ride that out. There is nobody stupid enough – to fucking eat that contract, even if the Sharks were to sit there and go, well, 
what if we, you know, pay for half of it? And it's like, if you're willing to pay for half of it, that's almost like a, like a neon sign that says this guy sucks. <laughs> like if yeah. you're going to, if you're going to pay, I mean, dude, dude is making 11 and a half a year, right? Correct. Dude. So if you come to another team and say, Hey, we'll pay $6 million. So he doesn't play for our team. How is that not a red flag? I'll tell you what, though. <laughs> but at the same, at the same, I, I do agree with you. Red flag. But at the same time, if that, <clears throat> excuse me, if that deal comes on the table, take it and run. <laughs> no shit. Holy Here's the other crap. Thing. Not, not to say like, <laughs> you know, I, I hate the idea that the Sharks are like the and all teams for that matter are basically waiting to be bailed out of their mistakes. I, <sighs> I, I do think you just need to be more careful in general. However, in and I, and I understand maybe it's going to be too little too late by the time it happens. But as we talked about kind of over the summer, me, you, Ian, Kevin, everybody, the salary cap is expected to get a very nice jump here over the next three years. Oh, dude. Like go from like what, 84 to like 94? So 83 and a half next year, 87 and a half in two years, 92 in three years. Yeah. Which Not, is, which for decent, those, for those decent jump. Yeah, which for those of you keeping track at home, that's nine and a half million dollars between now and three years from now. That's awesome. That that for a lot of teams, for not just the Sharks, pretty much every team, that is going to mitigate some mistake. Yes. But it's three years away. All right. Well, we we have to move on from the uh, Timo Eric Carlson discussion. <laughs> yeah, well, let's jump right to Player of the Week. So. Well, hold on. I have one more question to ask to you. Only because sure. I keep seeing it asked over and over again, and I'm fucking tired of it. Um, what's the play? Like, we, we've seen what happens. The Barracuda, they've won their first two games, both against the Iowa uh, Wild. Mm-hmm. We've seen the Sharks lose their first four games. And one of the biggest problems, of course, the Sharks had, and it's what they had last season and we've talked about it ad nauseum, is aside from Hurdle, Couture, Meyer, perhaps Bordelow in that conversation, where the fuck do you manufacture goals from? Not to mention the fact that you traded away Brent Burns, and I'm not saying that they shouldn't have done that. I thought that was a great move. You need mm-hmm. to, because that, that procured Hockey Jerk's second favorite player, Cap Space. Right. <laughs> so my my question to you, because again, it keeps getting asked all over social media. Do the Sharks is it is it the right play to call Eklund and Bordalo up and let them play harder minutes yet less minutes in the NHL, or do the Sharks is the is the correct play to let them play, you know, Eklund, uh, you know, on the first line wing, Bordalo second line center, and let them get 14, 15, 16 minutes a night and let them fucking dominate. Leave them down there. For exactly. One. Thank you. Okay, the question's been answered, everybody. We can stop asking it. <laughs> no, but 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 here's the thing. Like I talked about last week. The Sharks right now, the Sharks are carrying 14 forwards. So for those guys to be called up, four of the Sharks forwards are going to have to somehow have something happen to them. 
extremely <laughs> extremely unlikely situation. So from that front, it just it just it's you don't just think Sveshnikov is going to be one of them? <laughs> oh, I think he would. But my my point is, it's an unlikely situation. But let's just say, for argument's sake, for fun, let's just say it happens. Even though Sveshnikov has a goal, but go ahead. Right, a, a fluky goal, but a goal. <laughs> a let's, goal, okay. nonetheless. Let, they don't ask how; they ask how many. That's right. Um. So let's say. You call up Bordello and Eklund. Hey, you know, we really believe in you. We want you to come up, provide some jump to the team. We'll say that jump doesn't come. Nope. From Eklund and Bordello's perspective, oh, man, you know, Greer called us up. He wanted us to be difference makers, and we didn't do that. Our confidence is hurt. Right. I just, look, down. I just look at the fact that it's like if they call them up, they're going to be playing third, fourth line minutes. They're going to be playing like 8 to 12 minutes a night. 12 if you're lucky. It's going to be 8 to 10. You and need to keep them. You you're going to be getting them, drilled. You need to keep them in the in the AHL as long as you can. As you only bring them up when it is indisputable that they are the best option. Yeah, they are literally banging the fucking door down. Like yeah, they they're, think, they're playing you know fourteen to sixteen a night, and they're just absolutely dominating the the you know the opposing squad. They're just killing it. Yeah. Then right okay, if they fucking knock down the door, that's that's where I've been since day one. Right now they're right now they are an option. And they shouldn't be brought up until they're the option. Yes. You know, they can't be they can't be riding the shuttle, going back and forth. No, it needs to be a situation it needs to be one of two things. Either they play they play well enough to earn the right to be in the lineup or it says, hey, we're not signing anybody else. No matter what happens, the spot is yours. Neither of those two things have happened yet. Correct. And again, small sample size, only four games. Sure. <laughs> Let's move on. Yeah. Uh, all right. Hero and zero. All right. Who's your hero for the week, sir? Uh, so for the second week in a row, I'm going with <laughs> I'm going with Nico Sturm as my hero because I'll tell you why. Two in a row. Be- because as the fourth line center, there, there is only a short list of things that you can look at and say, wow, I'm really happy we have you because you're good at X, Y, and Z. But you know what? Sturm, the good things that I pointed out last week, he continued to do to play well at those things. He skates fast. He's physical. His face-off percentage, uh, to the surprise of nobody, uh, regressed from the 71% that it was at. <laughs> but, but you know what? His faceoff percentage is at 60% right now. Still really good. Again, small sample size, but really good. And he's got three block shots. He's physical. He's got some takeaways. And he's got a goal. Like, he's... I know, as I just talked about, expectations versus contract versus ice time. His expectations are really low because we're not asking a lot of him. But he's far and away exceeded them. And it was an easy choice for me to give him my player of the week for the second week in a row. All right. I'm going to go with uh, my hero of the week, Mark Edward Vlasic. Now mm-hmm. that's a solid choice. It, uh, you know, is he actually better or does he just look better because everybody else around him sucks? I don't know. Two, I mean, two things can be true, right? It's like Vlasic. He's only a dash one. Meanwhile, like, Shimmick, dash three, Benning, dash five, you know, it's like some of the guys around him, not so great. So, you know, Ferraro, dash three, Carlson, dash three, like he, he, he hasn't been the hindrance that we're all worried about. So, uh, Vlasic is my hero for the week and, uh, okay. Who's, uh, who's the, the combo 
pick. I'll let, I'll let you pull it up and see if I agree. Sure. And then maybe for the zero, maybe we can do the inverse. Sure. Um, I I, I kind of think for the for the co-hero for our shared hero, I think we're both in agreement that James Reimer has came to play from day one. Dude, dude, dude. So the the fact that Reimer faced the Hurricanes, which is the pretty pick, popular pick to His win their team, huh? His former team. So a little bump there. That that too. But the fact that facing. Uh, a team that is the sexy pick to win their division and potentially the Stanley Cup, and Reimer came to fucking play. Dude, what did he throw? Like a 943 or something? Like, dude was, you know, he was boss. Like, aside from that fluky fucking goal in the final two minutes, I mean. Which happens. Yeah, it does happen. But, dude, yeah, Reimer for me, absolutely. that Dude, solid fucking pick this week. And you know, and you know what? 0-2 record to start the season, he's still got a 924 save percentage. Uh, it's, dude, that's all I'm saying. That draft pick the Sharks get from is going to be off the oh, hook. Oh, you think there's only one? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, dude, it's... See, and this is... Here's the thing right now, and I don't want to get too in the weeds here, but the Sharks... The Sharks are an egg. And we may not like it, but Mike... But Mike <laughs> Greer is... ain't hatching for a while. The Sharks are an egg, and Mike Greer is sitting on them. And it's going to hatch. And you know what? It sucks now... <laughs> It sucks now, but eventually it's going to be awesome. All right, let's go to the zeros. You're zero for the week. And I really hate to do this because I actually quite like like quite like the player and I have a lot of expectations for yeah, him. Yeah, but it happens. But it ha- it happens. My zero for the week and and this is I don't think this is going to be I think this will be the first and last time this happens. <laughs> I hope. I hope. Uh Timo Meyer is my zero for the week. You know, he among <clears throat> excuse me, among forwards, he is number one in ice time per game. He's got one assist to show for it. He's minus three. Granted, um, he's shooting the puck like a crazy man. He's got 19 shots on goal in four games, which is again, I look at that and I say, OK, it's only a matter of time before those are going to start going in. So I'm not too wigged out about those. But you know what? And he's got 12 hits as well, which is is good. I'm not saying it's not, but I'm also looking, you know, his takeaway to giveaway ratio. He's given the puck away more than he's taken it away. That's not ideal. Yeah. Uh, and there's it's and not only that to kind of put a bow on the whole thing. Sure. The Sharks, you know, the Sharks played most of last night's game against the Chicago Blackhawks, trailing, chasing the game, and. I saw a lot of Timo trying to be the one-man show, generate everything on his own, and that's not to say that he doesn't have the skill to do that, but it's not conducive to getting the game tied. Absolutely. And I will say, you know, last night's game, there there was more than a few times where it felt like Timo was like, anytime the puck was near his stick, he's firing it, whereas there was LeBanc, there was Carlson, there was a couple times where it was uh, Lindblom, where it was just like, no, get it off my stick. You shoot it. Right. <laughs> uh, for my, I love, I love Marty T's sentence right here. Got to break a few eggs to make an omelet. Oh, absolutely. Got to do it. We'll see what happens. Yep. Uh, my zero for the week. Uh, it, I'm sorry, <laughs> Noah. I love you, man. But dude, Noah Gregor, there's been four games and you've been scratched in two of them. What does that say about the coach's confidence in you? And if anything, it makes me sit there and go, really? We let go of Balsers when we could have let go of you. Well, it just makes, <laughs> and I, I don't, I don't personally agree with your designation here, but I respect it. It does make me wonder what Matt Nieto has on David Quinn. Oh, oh, solid pull. All right, uh, 
So for the both of us, the zero. Is, I mean, I have it. Here. I have it written down, but I'll let you go if you think it's wrong. But go ahead. No, no, no. Uh, you know, I picked. You confirmed for hero. Now it's your turn to pick, and I will confirm for zero. All right. We'll see so, if you got. Me. Yeah. No. For me, the uh, the 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 confirmed duo pick for the zero of the week. The Sharks blue line. I mean, even though EK <laughs> and Ferraro, they both lead the team with three points each. Holy crap. It just, how many times did we see the blue line just totally out of position? You gave up three goals, two of them shorthanded. You gave up three goals in less than three minutes during the second period last night. Well, and here and here's the other thing too. So each game, <clears throat> each game is only sixty minutes long. Uh, it felt like a lot longer last night, but go ahead. Right, Carlson averaging twenty four and a half minutes. Mario Ferraro averaging twenty three and a half minutes. A lot of those minutes they've been playing together, which means the other two thirds of the game Sorry. you need <laughs> quality defensemen on the ice. And to your point that you made earlier, I thought Vlasic has been. I don't want to say he's been really good, but Vlasic has been above my expectations he, to start the year, his, and I hope his ROI higher. It's coming up, yeah. And and I and I think that's you know that's a start. Obviously, Vlasic, you know, he's kind of you know I I kind even though he's got the big contract and you need a lot from him, I feel like everything that's transpired the last three years, Vlasic, the expect you know. Our expectations are really low for him, and so it's kind of he can just do his thing, play his game, do what he knows he needs to do. And so far it's looked good. So you can make an argument that maybe Vlasic mitigates the critical nature of the blue line a little bit, but I'll tell you, like I talked about last week, Benning, Megna, <sighs> Shimmick. Megna wasn't uh, bad. Harrington. Yeah, Megna wasn't— Shimmick hasn't been that bad. Shim no, I love watching Shimmick run guys. No, over. yeah, he's he's had some runs. I thought Magna but, made some smart plays, but but holy again, the, fuck, the, dude, the, Benning! But, but the, I just want to fucking like, how the hell do we still have Benning and yet they put Harrington on waivers? But but here's the thing: even though like Carlson, Ferraro have been decent, Vlasic's been decent, but after those three guys, the the overall, it's still a net negative overall outcome. Yes, Shimmick had good flashes. Megna had good flashes. It's still been more bad than good. Benning, I'm I'm surprised Benning is. If Benning's not on waivers tomorrow, I will be surprised. Dude, this is what I'm saying. Dude, like, if if everybody's healthy, I'm thinking it's what like Carlson, Nudavara, Ferraro, Vlasic, Shimmick. But that's the other. It's the know. other. But here's the other. Shimmick thing, dude. Magna. But here's the other thing, dude. I we've Fuck, talked I'd about put Magna with Carlson at this point. I mean, some people say that that worked last year. Right. I think, like, you know, we, we've we kind of talked about how we think the Sharks taking a gamble on Nudavara was a good gamble to take. And I still stand by that. I think it's a solid gamble to take. There's no guarantee that he's going to come right in and be the Eric Carlson whisperer. You know, I think, unfortunately, at this point, I think it's more likely that he's another Benning, Shimmick, uh, Harrington, Magna variety. Now that said, of those five players I just listed, I think Nudavara has the most likely chances of playing well God, of those five. But you know, survey the survey says 
not so likely. <laughs> right up there. What's the survey say on uh, uh, the idea of uh, keeping balsers? Is, is he still like top line with Florida right now? <laughs> well, and and that and you know what's funny about that is so he did oh, you know? It's not um, funny. It's not funny, sir. It, it's not ha ha <laughs> funny, but it's like depression. It's fuck funny. you funny. Yeah. Yeah, it's fuck you funny. Like balsers, if you can believe it, and I don't know who would believe it, but. And uh, in, in, we're talking time on ice here. He leads the Florida Panthers in five-on-five five ice time. What a fucking shock. And now, granted, what does he have to show for it on the score sheet? No points, and he's a minus two. But he still has the trust of the coach. And so, I Which just, he didn't have at the Sharks. Right, and it's just it's just weird to me. Like, if you know, if Mike Greer wants to say, hey, you know what, we want to play a different game, Balsers doesn't fit that, I don't agree with it, but I respect it. But then I just I look at the the pieces that he brought in and it was like this well, is an one, upgrade over Balsers? That exactly, exactly right. If you want to say Balsers isn't the look we're going for, I don't like it, but I respect it. And, but, and the fact that it's like I'm sorry, in, I, not good enough. Dude, I I like if you want to sit there and go, well, we want to be a fucking, you know, we we want to be a, a group of knuckle draggers that are really hard to play against. But dude, I lunch, I, I mean, they said it on the broadcast, lunch pail hockey. Dude, and I felt that like Balsers brought some of that so yeah. i don't yeah all right we we have to move on dude we're already 90 minutes in we gotta go That's uh <laughs> let's go on to the quick hits because god damn it's been a while the, the the one thing that you haven't known about this show so far after 90 minutes the word quick huh. all right um so the uh the sharks last wednesday they did the whole meet the sharks event where the season ticket holders can come in and get some autographs and say hi and blah, blah, blah. I will say one of the best times that they've ever done this when it comes to the Sharks, the lines were way quicker than they have been in the past. Everything was on the concourse, uh, but it was way easy to get through. If you got there at a decent time, I was able to get through all four relatively quickly. Every uh, Shark, for the most part, was really upbeat, like, Couture, when it comes to, in my experience, when it comes to some of these signing events, whether it's like Fan Fest or whatever, he previously has been like, yeah, all right, I'll sign it, whatever. But, you know, t- dude, last Wednesday, he was very much like, hey, how you doing? He was just, you know, hey, long-time listener, first-time caller, how's it going? You know, like, he was just all about it. He was, like, way up. So... Really cool to see that from him. Um, who else was it uh, that that kind of was? Oh, um, oh, gee, well, Ferraro. I mean, the the guy's a walking Energizer bunny. You wouldn't expect anything less. James Reimer, way super up, like just hey, and he was first of the line at the tables. So, you know, the first experience you got if you were in that line, and he was super duper cool. Which, from what I understand, if you listen to any of his teammates, he's just that kind of a guy. So, either way, whole experience for that, way better than it had been in the past. The only thing I'm going to fucking complain about is the the fact that I went to the bar and got a, uh, a tall boy Corona, same size as this, and it cost me 20 goddamn dollars. I'm sorry, a 24-ounce beer should not cost $20. Uh, the other thing is they could have turned on the AC a scotch 
Even the players were talking about how hot it was. So anyway, uh, after that, there was the rally, opening night rally on Barack Obama Boulevard, Friday night in the house. Uh, interesting entertainment choice uh, seemed to be Dollar Store Maroon 5. It was two guys. I, I think they're called Crash Adams. V- sounded very much like Maroon 5. Uh, they were good. It wasn't Maroon 5, but definitely a similar kind of vibe. Um, the one thing I had a question about, though, is that they promoted that they were going to do a march from San Pedro Square at 5.30 to the rally, which started at 3.30. I don't know. That that seemed a little, little weird to me. But I will say, over the entire opening weekend, the scoreboard... That brand new scoreboard, the new halo, the new ribbon around the uh, lower bowl. Mm -hmm. Chef's kiss. Bright, crisp as fuck. Looks gorgeous. That said, the concession lines. Now, I don't know if that has to do with anything with uh, there's no more smoking section or what is going on, but uh, maybe it's the technology that people aren't able to swipe their cards or pay with cash like they used to. Everything's digital now. Uh, The lines sucked. Holy crap, did the lines suck. And I would even say that the Sharks could maybe remove a couple of the little carts that sell stuff in the concourse area. Because people need a way to get through. And right now, there is no way to get through. The the blue coats. Holy fuck. Last night, the blue coat was useless. There were people. We're sitting there. 12 minutes into the second period. Play has, go, has been going for the last two minutes. People are just walking up willy-nilly. All the Danny Miller shit that says, Hey, sit the fuck down unless the puck is stopped. You know, if the puck is in play, sit down, lean back. A lot of people were not listening to that. That kind of sucked. Hopefully the blue coats get some education on that and say, stop it. Um, I wasn't a fan of the manufactured hype last night. They they did a giveaway of a Fanatics jersey and they're like, what section is it in? And they literally have a camera on Emily in section, you know, 128. What section? Well, you're in 128. Probably it's going to be in 128. What row is it in? Well, it's probably going to be in one of the ones that you're right next to. It was uh, it was just silly as crap. Please, you don't have to manufacture hype. That's just my opinion. Finally, they need to get the audio dialed in. There was a lot of times last night the organ, and I appreciate that the organ is back. But holy crap, a couple times that organ came in and it was like, whoa, and and, P, and it wasn't just me. There were people in front of me that were like blown back in their seats. They need to dial that in and they need to dial it in for when Emily does her thing. Now, I hate the fact that the Sharks have an in-game announcer, whether, whether it was John Root, whether it's Emily Harlan, whatever, I hate that job as a vocation they're they're all they're all well okay john root is a piece of shit but emily seems very nice but fact of the matter is i don't think that job should exist and she did a bit where she was talking to somebody from uh one of the 
Mexican kiosks that they have, and they're both talking about like the amazing food that they have there, and it was really good food. I couldn't understand what either one of them was saying because the sound system, both of their voices were pitched so high, I couldn't hear a fucking word. So they need to dial in the sound system for as amazing as they've made all the video look. I'd love the sharks to dial in the sound to match it. So that's that's my rant with that. Uh, the Brent Burns reception was fantastic. Look at the Teal Town account to to look into that. Uh, the thoughts on Doug Wilson. I mean, Ian spent a lot of it. I mean, jerk. What what's your vibe? Uh, it's like I mean, you 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 can't shit on what Doug Wilson did the first 15 years. Now, the last couple of years, sure. I think with Doug Wilson, his his time, you know, people, there's always recency bias. You know, the last, the last three years is going to fire people up more than the, you know, more than the 16 before it. But, and understandably so, I, you know, when things start to go off the rails, I understand it. But the... My my take on the situation, his, his I mean, he was on the I know he was the first captain of the Sharks, but he was only on the team for two years. So it's hard to say, especially for myself, I obviously wasn't alive when he was a player for the Sharks. So it's hard for me to say how much of an impact that was. But as the general manager, his 19 year tenure as the GM net positive, I think. In oh, terms yeah. Of the work he did. I mean, yes, a lot of the thing is a lot of the stuff that's bad was not bad in the moment. It's bad because of hindsight. Oh, like it, and everything. It's yeah. and Martin Jones. It's bad because of hindsight. Oh. It's it's <laughs> bad because of hindsight. It's bad because of bad luck. I I think there's a very small number of things that Doug Wilson's done. And may and maybe maybe I'll do some research over the next week and we'll talk about it next week. But there's a very short list of things that Doug Wilson has done where my instant reaction was, oh my God, why did you do that? <laughs> I I personally feel like everything that happened that was bad or negative is largely because of hindsight or a bad series of events that was not foreseen whatsoever. I feel you. Uh, Christine in the chat. <laughs> Emily is working hard and trying, but the audio literally hurts my ears. So, you know yeah, what the, Christine, the sounds, you're right with the, me. The sound system, though, and, and you know what? Not to say that this is your fault or anything, AJ, but the sound what system... The sound system has been bad at the tank ever since they switched goal songs to the one you suggested. Oh, oh dick move. And I don't mean dick that move, as a dig. No, I, <laughs> I promise you that's not a dig. I, le- I mean that 100% legitimately. <laughs> Something happened with your goal song that ruined everything. <laughs> I guess it did. A <laughs> uh, couple more things. Uh, I just want to say during... Opening weekend during Meet the Sharks, uh, more than a few people rolled up to me uh, talking about that they appreciate our podcast, whether it's uh, Eric doing After Dark, whether it's Ian doing Teal Tinted, whether it's us, me and Jerk doing Pucknologist, that they really appreciate the content and what we do. So I just want to say, hey, we appreciate the uh, the recognition, like, you know. If you want to donate right now, sure. Venmo at Teal Town USA. (laughs) (laughs) But just the fact that people came up and took the time out of their lives to come up and say, hey, dude, really dig what you're doing? Dude, awesome. We so appreciate that. Um, The only other thing that I wanted to call out, which just because it stood out to me because I am a ticket purchaser. Nobody's floating me free tickets. 
uh, by any chance, uh, something that stood out to me last season, season before, but particularly last season, there's a couple social media groups that it's like shark season ticket holders dot net or whatever. And there were a lot of people complaining last season. It was like, man, I can't even give these fucking tickets away. God damn it. I wish I could sell these for face value. I wish I could sell these for 20% less than face value. And I get it. You know, you gotta, you gotta go with the highs. You gotta go with the lows because I know back in 2000, 2001, where the sharks were playing St. Louis in the playoffs and everybody was juiced and jacked. And I probably play paid $125 for seats that were normally at that point, $72. I get it. It, it. it comes with the highs and the lows. It's what supply and demand is all about. But the thing that just irks me a little bit the wrong way, there are a lot of fans that were bitching and moaning and complaining that they were season ticket holders. They couldn't give tickets away. They were trying to sell $70 tickets for 20 and couldn't get takers. Well, that's what happens when the team sucks. It, it happens. And when they're good... All of a sudden, that ticket value is going to be a little higher. Case in point, if you go and look at Ticketmaster and try to get tickets for the Patrick Marlowe retirement game, there are little blue dots that are the seats that are available from the Sharks via Ticketmaster. And then there are little pink dots that are via, quote unquote, resellers, season ticket holders saying, I can't go to this game, but let me put them for sale. And I saw tickets that were normally $72 going for $340, $380. There was one set normally, I think, if I remember correctly, $88 tickets going for $450. So look, dude, if if you can make some bank, I mean, dude, jerk, you and I know, dude, like if you can pick up something a little cheap, make a couple coin on it, it all works out. But mm-hmm. but you know what? Am I complaining to you that, you know, oh, dude, I picked up this thing for 50 bucks and I can only get somebody to buy it for 40. No. But do, do I sit there and, uh, dude, I picked up this thing for 50. I sold it for 120. Dude, it's finesse, right? Right. <laughs> <laughs> but it's just like, dude, I'm not complaining about the shitty times if I'm like, you know, if I, oh, I, I, pfft. I can't believe somebody won't buy these tickets for $50 or 50% less than what face values is. I'm so upset. Oh, but here are these tickets that I have that I'm going to, you know, try to sell for 600% more. Okay. And then wonder why you don't want them. Yeah. Yeah. Cry me a river. All right. Anyway, that was, that was, I'll get off my soapbox now. Anything interesting aside, uh, after week two? In the NHL, the Pacific Division, aside from uh, somebody writing an article <laughs> that said, At, so far the Edmonton Oilers are sleepwalking through their fucking season. Right now they're one and one. They're they're in fourth. I mean, Seattle's one and one. Anaheim's one and one. But I don't know. Did everybody think Edmonton was just going to fucking slow roll this or steamroll it? So there's two things here. You're talking when we're talking Pacific around the division. 
two things here that kind of stand out to me. And if you if you listen to our season sort of prediction uh, on teal tinted glasses, you know I was not very high on the Vegas Golden Knights for this season. <laughs> and yet here we are. <laughs> yeah, here we are. The go- the Golden Knights are number one in the Pacific Division. They have are they're three zero zero. And yes, it's early. I understand that. But I did not expect them to be out to the hot start um, that they are. You know, the the weasel Jonathan Marcheseau is playing very well for them. That's not a surprise. But obviously, you know, the the new Jack Eichel looks good. Phil Kessel's come in and played well. They're getting good goaltending from Logan Thompson. They're getting good goaltending from Aiden Hill. It's come together for <laughs> the Golden Knights. I'm sorry, good goaltending from who? I I know. <laughs> <laughs> You know, the the it's come together for the Golden Knights a lot quicker than I thought it would, so that surprised me. If you if you want, like that's my surprise, my declaration, if you will, and then we can move on. 40, 40 goal season incoming for Adrian Kempe. Write it down. All right. The thing that I want to also write down, I I want to know if the Vegas Golden Knights might be out of the Pacific, the team that faces the most goals against. I'm 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 sorry, not goals against, shots against. They're giving yeah, up a be. lot, dude. They're giving up a lot. But here's the thing, it's like we can sit there and go, Oh my god, dude, Vegas, three and oh, like killing it. You know who's killing it in the central? Dallas. Yeah, how <laughs> so, about Ma- the the Mason Marchment signing looks really good. Oh dude, and you remember me last season. I was a huge Marchment fan. Yeah. So and and you know he he looks good. Three goals in two games, which is awesome. Um, Dallas's top line from last year: Rope Hintz, Jason Robinson, Joe Pavelski, looks like a dominant line once again. Well, do, Ty- Mar- Marchment was the Panthers last year. Correct. Yeah. So I don't understand how they let that go. But and then you see what's going on with Robertson, who literally signed a deal like at the fucking eleventh hour. He. He's a beat. I mean, dude, Dallas's top line is like I would love to. Once we get further into the season, maybe a quarter of the way through, and things start to be more in stone. Oh yeah, I would love to do an analysis, like maybe take the top line or the best line from every team and kind of do a ranking or something. I think that would be some fun, you know, bi week content. Oh, um, dude, and you know me, I want to do a thing. It's like who has most more points this season, Pavelski, or Carlson, right? But, you know, Robertson, Hintz, Pavelski was a very good line last year, and it looks to be very good this year. The big thing with Mason Marchment going to Dallas was, hey, you know, Ben and Sagan have been together for a long time. We want to put something with someone with them. Sure. That's Mason Marchment. Marchment looks good early on. Tyler Sagan looks good early on. Jamie Ben, where are you at? I don't know. But a lot of things are rolling well for, for the Dallas Stars. Jake on Ryan. Our cohort, dude, Ryan. Otter like a motherfucker, over, dude. Otter yeah, all he's day. He's all over Jake Ottinger, so I'm very, I'm sure he's looking at the stat sheet and he's very happy with what he's seeing. Oh, dude, he's like game seven jerking. Yeah. <laughs> oh, oh, man. No. Let's do some Otter. Let's do some Robertson, Marchment, Pavelski. Oh, my God. Uh, just hints. Don't forget Rope Hints. Oh, yeah. Rope! Uh, <laughs> <laughs> for those of you who didn't know, there may be some of you, if you look at social media, there's a lot of you. Uh, the re- reverse retros are going to drop officially this week. On the 19th, you can expect, if you look at the Adidas hockey social media channels, there's going to be a whole bunch of stupid videos and hype messages or whatever to, again, like we said earlier, manufacture hype where it's not needed. As Jerk likes to say, an announcement that we're making an announcement, but it's going to be manufactured hype, 
despite the fact that fanatics like what six weeks ago leaked like 22 of the 32 designs. But anyway, 19th, start looking for Adidas hockey to get your little drip of the leak. And then on the 20th, they should be legit full announcement. We'll see how everybody reacts to the actual announcement that the Sharks are going to rock seals, colors, designs. I don't know. I'm not a fan. How, what are you, what, how are you feeling? I'm not a fan of um, what the seals, well, I mean, what the Sharks are going to do with the seals. I, you know, I think here's the thing. I, and when reverse retro 1.0 came out, we, well, at least I did graded the jerseys on two scales. Do I like them? And do I appreciate the rationale behind them? Sure. Oh, well, see, I would look at it as, as it's, do I appreciate the, you know, the throwback and would I buy it? Sure. And that's fair. Am I going to like the Sharks Seals Reverse Retro 2.0 jersey? I can't say. I would need to see it. Yeah. But do I appreciate the inspiration? Sure. Sure. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Me too. I just don't know that I'm going to buy it. Um, we talked about this a little bit last week. Uh, Ian Cole got suspended. Was it was it suspended or like you know put on desk duty? What it was <laughs> it was it was suspended pending investigation. And that investigation went really fucking fast. <laughs> so we talked about him being suspended last Sunday, which I think was the day that it all came out. And here we are, less than a I mean a week later, but it happened less than that. Uh, the Ian Cole investigation has ended. What appears to be another instance of false accus- accusations screwing up somebody's life. Like you know I'm, I, I'm all about like I don't. What I'm sorry to interrupt you, but no, it's okay. I'm I'm I get a little a little pressed, a little upset about this. That I am all about believing somebody. Like if you accuse somebody of something, like that, yes. That's like you believe people, whether it's the whole believe women thing or whatever, like believe people. But conversely, you want me to believe you? You better bring some fucking receipts. And so far, like the last couple times that a hockey player has been accused of somebody, and it's typically by, you know, whether it's a, uh, you know, somebody that you entered a bad relationship with. It, it's an anonymous fucking account that just pops up. Like it, it was to the point where there were memes starting to go around where it's just like, Hey, if my hockey team is like a week away from the playoffs and we're about to play, I don't know, Toronto. Can I just like make up some bullshit and say Austin Matthews, you know, there was a night that Austin Matthews did shit to me that shouldn't be. And so you should spend, you know what I mean? Like it's getting to the point where it's comical. So I, I, I don't know that I actually, I, I do know. I don't agree with that. I, just, okay, go ahead. Go ahead. I mean, for, for one, Austin Matthews has actually been accused of something like that and it's been oh. proven. Oh, okay. See, and I wasn't aware. I just, um, I just pulled a name out of my ass. Right. But I just think with this situation, I mean, there's so much that we don't know. Like the NHL, okay, so the NHL comes out and says, you know, we didn't find anything to substantiate the claims. That doesn't mean that there's not something there. It, it doesn't mean that there's not and something just, there, but it just upsets fact, me, though, that the the account that made the claims won't stand behind their claims. Which I understand, but there, but again, this is, you know... There's so much we don't know, and I just I don't I personally don't feel comfortable 
you know, assessing somebody's intent when there's, when I know maybe 1% of the information. No, I get that. I absolutely get that. But it just, if you're going to take this step where you're going to put something out that is going to ruin, potentially, potentially ruin someone's career, there better be receipts. If there aren't receipts, fine, I get it, but... You better, you know, when the NHL comes to you and says, you know, can you elaborate? Can you give us more details? Like, substantiate what you are saying. And the person goes, I don't want to say anything. Well, then then, then it comes back to, well, then why did you tweet anything at all? Like, why did you stir the pot? You know what I mean? And and again, I'm not taking away anything from the person who who put those things out there. But it can, you know, it's it it kind of goes back to the Evander Kane thing, where Anna Kane put a lot of stuff on social media, claimed a lot of things, and then when the NHL came to her and said, "We would like to discuss this with you," she was like, "No, I don't want to talk." And it was like, "Well, then why did you put it out there?" I mean, there's a lot. I I, I get what you're saying, but there's a lot there's a lot at play there. So there could be I a don't... lot of play, but it's just like if it, you know, it's. I don't know. If you're not going to back it up, then then shut up. I don't agree with that whatsoever. So, well, okay, now why? Now, because, now let me ask no. you this. Hold on. Let me ask you this. She put all that shit out, now, and I'm talking about Anna Kane. She put all of those all of those things out on social media. What I mean, why couldn't she have just reached out to the NHL directly? Instead of putting out on a big public forum, you know, reaching out them directly saying, look, I have these, because th I would have respected it more, quite honestly. If she'd reached out to the NHL and said, look, I have this receipt and this receipt, and I want you guys to know that this is how Evander Kane conducts himself when you guys aren't watching, versus putting a bunch of shit on social media, which after investigation proved to be bullshit. I, I just think there's so little information that we know, and it's been shown that a lot, you know, a lot of the people who do come out with accusations and do say things, the reason why there's anonymity around it, it's from a place of fear. Now, is that the reason why? I don't know. I'm not this person. I don't know what's going on. But to... I guess to just assume that it's be, because they're anonymous, it's automatically whatever calculated. It's a tactic. I, I'm, not, I'm, I'm not saying that that. No, I know. But what I'm saying is there's so much at play here. And I, I tend to believe that a majority, I would say close to a hundred percent of the anonymous claims that come out are anonymous because of fear. And I don't think that that should be downplayed. I don't think it should be downplayed. And I totally get what you're saying. But that go that makes me go back to the idea of why put it out in a public forum if you you know if you're if you're worried about all of those things, well you weren't worried about putting it out in a public forum. Why didn't you just reach out to the NHL directly instead of putting it 
on all these public social media channels. Be, because because the NHL is notoriously awful oh, at handling for, these kinds of things. They, they bury shit, is what you're they, saying? They, they bury shit, and they're slush funds that make people go away and stuff is slept on. Whatever you want to say about the anonymous right. tweet, no, I'll give got, you that. it got people talking about it. It got the word out there. <laughs> And but it makes me wonder then why didn't I, why didn't like uh, and I'm just I'm only using Anna Kane as an example because it's something that we're all familiar with. It just then makes me wonder why didn't Anna Kane reach out to an Elliot Friedman, a Greg Wojcicki, uh, who was that woman that did uh, on the Athletic did an amazing deep dive on uh, Patrick Marlowe. She did an amazing deep dive on. A couple people who had CTE. Oh my God! I wish I could remember her name, but she works yeah, for the I Athletic, and she's done some amazing deep dive articles. It just makes me wonder, like, how do you not reach out to her to do? You know, but again, if you're going to reach out for something like that, to me, I, I, I'd have a uh, a wheelbarrow of receipts. But anyway, I know. Uh, let's let's move on. <laughs> we could be here all day with this. Um, let's get into the thing that uh, pissed me off. That jerk, I think, said, "Ah, nobody's gonna notice it." <laughs> Katie Strang, thank you, Logan, in the chat. Katie, she does some amazing work. But uh, the digital dashboards. Let's take a look at these. Uh, jerk, you're watching. Yep. You got the screen share. Look at this shit. Around the boards it goes. Pedersen is backhand pass. Blocked. Miller to the point. Hughes. Quick pass. So here's a one-timer. And Todd Coulson gets into the way. That's stuck on the board. Pedersen leaving the puck there for Ekman Larson. Get back into the Canucks zone. Here's a one-timer. And Todd Coulson gets into the way. That's stuck on the board. Pedersen leaving the puck there for Ekman Larson. Okay. Steve Dangle talking about this on the Dangle podcast. I had high hopes for the digital dashboards. Now, granted, they have to figure out the technology and blah, blah, blah. When a player is going into the corner and literally disappears into the boards because of this technology, there's a problem. Am I wrong? I just think it's something that, I mean, when they first beta tested it, you know, at the World Cup of Hockey six years ago, it was brutal back then. And I think it's made a lot of positive steps in the right direction. And I, you know, I think it's something that's still being worked out. Like I wouldn't be, like I thought every game I've watched so far, I thought it looked perfect. So I, I tend to lean towards this being like a one-off kind of deal. <sighs> Well, I, I hope it was because those that particular the those three videos that I just showed were all from a game in Edmonton facing the Canucks. I hope that that is the case. But so far, the like I've seen a couple games with the digital dashboards, and I'm telling you, if it was a case of they would just like flick a switch and just go, oh, okay, instead of Xfinity, now all of a sudden, boom, it says Toyota but nothing else has changed. I'm fine with that. The fact that they do these transitions 
where it goes from Xfinity to Toyota and it go and like Xfinity disappears and then all of a sudden a Toyota truck drives along half of the boards and then all of a sudden the Toyota logo comes up and I'm like, stop that. Stop that. It's taking away from the game. I am all for growing the game and trying to get the NHL more money to increase the cap and all that, but don't ruin the experience of trying to watch this goddamn game. Uh, so anyway, um, the, you know there's another team, right? They're called the Barracuda? Let's talk about that for a hot second. So, two games versus the Iowa Wild. Dell started the first one. McAniemi started the second. Uh, no co in the first game. That was weird. Anyway, Cuda uh, won both games in Iowa. It was a 4-3 shootout win after the Cuda coughed up a 3-0 lead. It's very Sharks-esque. <laughs> I'm just saying. Uh, Verano and Agazino scored in the shootout. Followed that up with a 3-1 win in which Ryan Merkley had two helpers. William Eklund gets his first goal as in the AHL. Ends up being the game winner. But I got to tell you, uh, is this a good start, jerk, for Ryan Merkley? <laughs> two assists in two games? And how poor is the Sharks' blue line? <laughs> well, it, it, you know, it's like, I, it's like I said before with Eklund and Bortolo, you know, getting you know, having them in the AHL playing big minutes, playing meaningful games, you know, it, 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 it helps like build their confidence. It helps put them in the right frame of mind to play well and to make themselves available to the Sharks down the road. And, and I think we knew that the Barracuda were going to be a pretty good team just based on everything that transpired over the summer, but <laughs> based on the comparison of last season, right? <laughs> but you know, the team, you know, has been, I, I know it's only been two games, but they've been, you know, clicking all throughout, you know, both goalies, um, you know, McAnamy and Dell have both put up good numbers in their singular starts each. And I, I say, just keep it going. You know, I know guys like, you know, Merkley, Reedy, Bortolo, Eklund, like these Hataka, Weatherby, Robbins, these guys want to be, you know, they want to be in the NHL. They want to be in the Sharks lineup, but as I've been saying all along, I don't personally believe it's something that should or could happen anytime soon. Yep. So you might as well just just blow the doors off in the AHL while you can. And like I said, force Mike Greer to call him up. Force. I mean, we saw that. Yeah, bang you know, the door down. Well, and we saw that a few years ago. If you remember, Kevin LeBlanc, Kevin LeBanc played so well, Doug Wilson put Matt Nieto on waivers and Colorado claimed him. Yeah. You need a situation like that again. That's the only way that these guys I mentioned are going to come up to the Sharks roster and stay there. How how amazing would it be? Because, you know, the Barracuda were the worst team in the AHL last season. Like, not yep. in their division, in the entire league. Mm -hmm. They have the uh, they have the chance. If, they, if they're not pillaged by the Sharks like they were last season, they have a chance to be, to, to be number one with the amount of talent on this team. They'll definitely be in the conversation, even – even if they get pillaged by the Sharks, they have the Barracuda have so much backfill that they can yeah. mitigate any pretty much any loss. I think. Uh, so the uh, the Barracuda they played the first uh, couple of games against Iowa. Like I said, won both of them. The first games that actually count 
at Tech CU will happen this weekend versus the Henderson Knights. So there you go, Christine. Uh, I might see you there, hopefully. <laughs> so let's move on to our, uh, what, original, inventive, we created it uh, segment, Tweet of the Week. Oh, my God. There might be more than one, but it's time for the Tweet of the Week. Let's start with aesthetics. I love these guys, but pointing out... This is the kind of jersey clutter I was dreading when the ads started cropping up, and this is only the beginning. I mean, you see that, dude. It's it's not a good look. You know, when you you have to obviously you're you're rolling the C patch, but then you also have to, of course, represent that you're rocking the All Star game. But then we have to make sure that the advertisers in there. How do you fix this? That because that looks like shit, dude. How you fix it? Well, see, the Florida Panthers, they're one of the smaller market teams. They need every penny they can get. Yeah, but so d tell me that doesn't look like shit. Well, I don't know if that's a situation. I mean, maybe it's a situation where you move the all-star patch over to the the right side, you know, the player right side, and the whatever that says, auto nation patch. <laughs> I mean, who, like, why? But it's that required. Not that it's, it's the upper that right. It's... The NHL said this is where the advertisement patch goes if you do it. Okay, and I and I understand that, but just looking at it, there's enough room on that upper right side to fit both. I would agree. So, oh, so you're saying like the team or whoever made that decision fucked up and they could have put the all-star patch under the advertisement? Yeah, yeah. But what if the advertisement is that huge square like what Minnesota has? Then... I don't know. I guess, I guess they're SOL. <laughs> All right. Let's uh, get into another uh, little mention this week, social media. The bottom line from The Athletic. Brother, the Sharks are a mess unless top-lined by some decent players whose contracts make them immovable and effectively buyout-proof is an attractive quality for you. Most of this goes back to Doug Wilson's decision to maintain the core of one of the best coupless teams in the century. The Joe Thornton, Patrick Marlowe, Brent Burns, Logan Couture, Eric Carlson, Tomas Hurdle group was fantastic. All told, they deserved better than what they got. But doubling down and signing them all for like $17 million a year until their 50th birthdays was not the solution. It was a bad idea then. And it looks even worse now. Would you agree, Jerk? The only thing that I would take away from that is I think it's... I don't think it's cool to put Carlson's name in there with the rest of them. Because Carlson kind of like showed up in like the last year or so. Yeah, I mean... I don't know. But, but again, as I've said all along, the Sharks were a really good team with those good players. And how... You know, how do you remain a good team? You keep your good players. All right. That, that's that's my bottom line. So, and I would agree. Uh, finally, uh, what number does John Gibson wear for Anaheim? Jerk. Yeah, that's, uh, that's yeah, not it's, correct. <laughs> it's it's not thirty five. <laughs> Poor bastard. Anyway, so uh, coming up this week, the Sharks are earning their frequent flyer miles just to scotch early this season. After a pair in Europe and then a pair at home at SAP Center, the Sharks go out 
It's going to be a four-game roadie in the tri-state area. The Sharks will start on Tuesday versus the Islanders, who are currently 1-1, one and one, followed up by a game against the Rangers, currently 2-1 and one on Thursday, then a back-to-back. On the weekend, it's going to be a 10 a.m. start. Holy crap, that's way too early on a Saturday morning versus the Devils, who are currently 0-2. And follow that up with a game against the 2-0 Flyers on Sunday. Nobody saw that coming. (laughs) But the Flyers will see the Predators the day before. So anyway, that is a Sunday game against the Flyers. 4 o'clock start, which means, jerk, the first Pucknologist takeover of the season. Are you juiced? Are you jacked? No. Okay, then. (laughs) (laughs) So we may be on a little earlier than our normal, usual 7 p.m. start time on Sunday because we're going to take over for After Dark, but that follows the game. But remember to check out our post-game casts. It's going to follow every game this week. We got Landy, we got Dana, we got Puck Guy, we got Mark, we got Ian, we got them all. It's all after the Islanders, the Rangers, and the Devils coming this week. So... You can follow this dude at hockey jerk. I'm sorry, hockey underscore jerk. You can follow me at AJ underscore strong, all on the social media. Remember, again, leave your takes in the description or comment section below if you weren't able to join us live and get your comments in. So, Jerk, I will say to you right now, if there's something anybody wants us to chew the fat on, they can hit us at Pucknologist. On the Twitter, but I want to know for you, your final thoughts. My final thoughts. So this show went way too long. We've been saying all <laughs> we've been saying all summer that the Sharks are going to be a bad team this year, and they're proving us right. They're so why 0- are you upset? They're zero and four for the first time in a long time, and it's going to be a long season. It's going to be a challenging, trying season. The only way to sort of make it through this season with all of our sanity still intact <laughs> is to find find little things for little things to be excited about small for the, victories for the future small victories hey you know what the sharks are not making the playoffs this year but if timo meyer gets 100 points that's a small victory if 100 po- oh, now okay owen four he's one assist right now through four games okay do you think 100 points is do I feel a $5 bet in our midst right now? No, because I don't think he'll hit 100 points. <laughs> okay, then. Go ahead. But I'm saying if he hits 100 points, that's a small victory. If the Sharks are able to trade away Nieto, Reimer, Harrington, Meyer, Meyer. Bonino, <laughs> four draft picks, four prospects, for something that can help the Sharks long-term or long-ish term, that's a small victory. The Sharks are going to be a bad team this year. You need to find little things to be excited about for the future of the team. Jeez. Man. And it feels like you might need a flashlight and a map to find them. Am I wrong? Jury's still out. <laughs> All right. For uh, for me, final thoughts. Again, I just want to go back to this last opening weekend, meet the Sharks event. Again, I can't say enough to uh like like big thumbs up to the people that came up to me came up to uh puck guy and said hey 
dude, we really appreciate the podcast. And for, for you guys to go out of your way and say that we really appreciate that. So the fact that you take your time to say that that's dude, that just floats up, floats my boat. I can't speak for puck guy floats my boat. I just think it's really cool that people take that time. So remember to subscribe to us on the YouTube channel, follow us on social media. If you listen to this podcast on some sort of platform like Spotify or Apple podcasts, whatever, I'm sure there's 200 billion different ways. So help us out, subscribe to it, leave a review if possible. You can always find the links to all the stuff that we uh, try to do on our social media and podcast in the uh, show description that you're listening to. So we totally appreciate that. And as always, find it all. If you ever like find yourself like, hey, when was that one time that jerk told AJ he was a dick? Well, you can find all of those 20,000 episodes on tealtownusa.com. So we thank you very much for watching, ending your weekend with us, hanging out with us on a Sunday. We will see you here next Sunday following Sharks and Flyers. Remember, it's going to be a little earlier than normal because we're going to be on here with the Pucknologist takeover of After Dark. Aside from that, we're all good. Jerk, you out? Audi 5000. Good night, everybody.